Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Graham. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 45, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. Game day eve once again. And it is time to get ready for home game number two for Nebraska. Louisiana Tech, the Bulldogs coming into town. Memorial Stadium, 2.30 kickoff this Saturday. You can hear that right here on KLIN, pregame 10.30. And we are here to break it down for you. Discuss what's going on with this team. Discuss where they stand after three games. What's going to happen at this quarterback position. Why the defense is playing so dang good. And a whole lot more beyond that. Welcome to the Friday Husker Tailgate. I'm Jack Mitchell in Caroline Studios with Caleb Henry. Hello. As always, good morning, Caleb. Good morning. Mike Schaefer, 24-7 Sports, joins us again. Hello. Hello, Mike. Uh, we got Kenny Larrabee in here. He is running our video. If you want to watch us on Facebook, you can do that. Facebook.com slash LNK today. Uh, and then we'll have Mark Vail. We got Mark Vail in the Carolina newsroom, and uh, Chris Lofkin will be along too for time saver traffic. So we're fully staffed, ready to go to get you ready for Nebraska versus Louisiana Tech. And guys, uh, Mike, I'll start with you as somebody who does Nebraska football for a living. Essentially, uh, how was how nice was it to come off of a game where there was not kind of an existential crisis that necessarily needed to be discussed throughout the fan base in all your radio interviews on your message boards and everywhere at least for a week uh it was it was certainly nice to um to enjoy some of the calm that comes with the with the win now because it occurred with the backup quarterback that for the first two quarters fans were just determined to say that everything he did was actually bad uh at least on the message board that i run yeah it was weird and then in the second half it's like oh this guy's better than jeff sims he's got to start so it's just somehow there's this magical barrier that Heinrich Harburg jumped between halves. Really? Yeah. And he's a hurdler, so, I mean, it, it makes sense. <laughs> but um, it was, you know, it, it was he's strange. I, I feel like people just kind of, some people, let me rephrase that, not everybody. Some people just sort of want to be mad right now until there's enough reason not to be mad. Uh, and I don't know when that's going to come for you. You're a Nebraska fan. Figure that out on your own. But <laughs> the rest of us, the rest of us enjoyed the fact that Nebraska won a football game. Yes. Uh, for the first time since Iowa. Yes. Uh, it's the first time that we've been able to do this show where after that's the game, true. Nebraska has won since October what, of 2022. Rut- the Rutgers, Indiana? Game. Rutgers. Rutgers, yeah. Okay. Because the next week was Purdue, and then after that was just the onslaught right, of right. quarterback changes and My goodness, you're right. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, so almost a year since you could just talk about a Nebraska win on this program specifically. Wow. So, yeah, 
I'm probably got a little extra pep in my yeah. step. Savor it. I you get know. it. Me too. I'm 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 with yeah, you as it's well. It's so bizarre that we have to like be excited about this because the alternative is well, you know. That I mean, you're right though. It's crazy how many times you've done so many so few of these shows after you know, wins Me at all, let alone, since, let alone since I started wins. being on, uh, it's on KLIN. It's, it's amazing. A disaster. That's a good point. Blame me. That's a good point. Most people do anyways. Caleb, what did you think of uh, Heinrich Harburg's performance out there uh, being thrown into action against Northern Illinois? I thought it was schemed well for his talents. I, I thought right away when you saw that first drive, they, they weren't necessarily trying to do exactly the same things that they did with Jeff Sims. You you came out and you gave him some pretty easy decisions in the passing game that they did have. You got uh, Marcus Washington right away. Well, once you could get Billy Kemp lined up after that first punt, <laughs> yes. had had to take it. Yes, I, I know you you had tweeted about it. Matt Rule did get booed before the first <laughs> offensive play because they had to burn a timeout. Uh, but <laughs> well, okay, can I can I interject real quickly? Why did people get mad about first half timeouts? I don't know that it was necessarily first half timeout. I think it was. Before the first offensive series even started, timeout. It was just the concept, I suppose, yeah. less than the need for the timeout. But I, yeah, pe- people get really upset if you take a timeout early in the first quarter, thinking, "Oh, you're going to need those for the two minute drill going into halftime." Yeah, I don't get that worried about. It, it that, started. But. I feel like with Bo Pelini, people get really mad that he would use timeouts on defense to like make sure that they were set up on stuff, and there'd always be this guy who's like, "You might need that at the end of the half." Well, I I mean, I will legitimately, I hate using them in in the second half so much that I would take penalties over using them in some cases. I guess in certain situations, sure. But um, for me, I guess if there's, if especially on defense, if you think you're in an alignment bust, like use the timeout. <laughs> That's true. The, the points are more valuable than the nope. the fictional nope. idea that you might. There's need to nothing try I want end. more than 35 seconds at the end of a game, no matter what the score is. <laughs> Down by 14 because of that bust, but you got your timeout for those 35 seconds. Uh, anyway, uh, but anyway. but the, that first series was was scripted really well for Harburg to get him into some option situations, some read situations, which he does really really well. Like that is wheelhouse for him that he could do that with his eyes closed. Now, as the game went on, you saw him, he, he missed a couple of throws. He didn't throw great in the second half, uh, but it was nice that they were in a situation that he didn't have to. Um, he bounced right back from that turn. Like, he had the turnover, got lit up, fumbles it. That leads to the first three points for Northern Illinois. It didn't seem like on the next series that that bothered him, that he thought he had to go make up for it right away, which was nice to see because a couple of times we saw in the first two games that if Jeff Sims made a mistake or had a turnover, it looked like his very next time out, he wanted to make up for it. And that's not always the case, especially early in the game on your second series after you just had a touchdown, that you you don't want a young guy feeling like he has to go make up for an entire football game when there still is so much to play for. It was nice to see Heinrich Harbour go out there, play well, manage the game. I didn't think he did anything overly special that said, absolutely, that's his job. But I didn't see him go out there and lose it either. His final numbers, 14 for 24, passing, no interceptions, did get sacked that one time. A rushing yards, he ended up going 21 rushes for 98 yards. Almost ran for 100 yards in that game. Um, what, I guess, to preface the the inevitable discussion that's going to be coming, maybe for the rest of the year, maybe not, I don't know, uh, between these two quarterbacks, and I know... If you're not watching them in practice, it's hard to go real deep into this. But from what we have seen, what we know, how would you best describe the differences in strengths between or the differences in what you get 
Mike, between Harburg and Jeff Sims, or, or is there that? Maybe there's not. I don't know. As the offense is currently constructed, I don't know that there's a huge difference between the two of them. I mean, at least in what we've seen. I can't, I, I don't want to talk about like Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech, because we have two games of Jeff Sims, Nebraska, and it doesn't matter what he did at Georgia Tech as much because those pieces aren't around mm-hmm. him in, in Lincoln. So with the same offense, I mean, they're, they're largely the same quarterback to me. Like you're, you're looking at, <laughs> Uh, the situation where both of their strengths are the fact that they can run and they can sort of survive hits a little bit. Uh, they have the same weakness, which is there's no explosion without them. Yeah. Like it, that, I mean, it, it's not to, to be glib. Like they have the same roster in front of them when they play or not. Their best asset is their legs. They both have relatively strong arms. They both can put the ball in different spots. I know there's a lot of talk. I've never heard as many people talk about Heinrich Harburg's uh, high school completion percentage. I've never heard that as much about a high school co- or a, a college quarterback. Was it good? I don't even week. know. No, what did he 50, do at Catholic? It was 54%. And then I have to remind people, yeah, you know who he wasn't throwing to? Guys that were going to play football in college. You know what's a little bit different? When it comes out like a rifle, these kids aren't exactly expecting to, you know, like, the expectation that he was playing with guys that were going to go, you know, it wasn't like his IMG Academy here. Caleb, do you care to comment on that? A Division One quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Where and this is when you look at strengths and weaknesses. Greg Sharp even said it on on LNK today, not yesterday, but a week ago. Heinrich Harburg doesn't always put a whole lot of touch on yeah, the ball. It's coming but, out hot. So when you do that, and it's a they were what C they're C two C one C two. At times, at times, you have got a freshman or a sophomore that that ball's coming out to. A 15-year-old taking a rocket to the chest is not always going to be caught. Like, those are the... T- now, there were some some talented guys that he was throwing the ball to. They had they had a modicum of success while, while he was there at Kearney Catholic. But, no, like, to, to Schaefer's point... These weren't a bunch of D1 guys lined up that it was like, okay, well, this guy's going to Nebraska. This guy's going to South Dakota State. This guy's going to Wyoming. Like, whatever the level was, it wasn't a bunch of high-level guys that he was ultimately throwing the ball to. Okay, so what do you th- what do you think, if there is one, the biggest difference just in terms of style, strengths, any of those things between Sims and Harburg? Same question I asked Mike. It's also a little bit hard because I thought the play calling was more set up for Harburg I to have too. success. I did, too. Some seemed... of it, though, is they had rhythm. There wasn't yeah. the turnover, so it's, it feels that way because they actually got to run more plays. Yeah. I just felt like they put... They, the running plays, the the quarterback run plays that they had for Harburg, really were fit the situation. Fit I don't. They just worked. I don't know. I'm not not to say that there weren't. I think that probably happened a little bit more for Sims, especially maybe in the first half against Minnesota. But they also didn't run him much at the beginning but, of the game against Colorado. Yeah, against so. Colorado, they they really went away from. I don't think he ran the ball once in the first quarter, and then there there wasn't a whole lot called for Sims, and I think they were trying to trying to keep him safe, but at the same time, that's your one strength with, with this offense right now is if the quarterback can run the ball. No matter who is yeah. back there, your number one strength with this offense is if the quarterback can run the ball. And I think they leaned into that with Heinrich Harburg. Yes, against a, a Northern Illinois team that's not Minnesota and it's not Colorado, 
but I thought the play calling could have helped Jeff Sims if it leaned more into that when they went out to Boulder. And maybe things change a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, the, the offense is ultimately going to look different if you're if you're getting down into scoring territory and you're turning it over each time or you're not catching the snaps. I can absolutely get that. I think the, the biggest difference between the two of them is that from the little bit we've seen, I think Harburg runs the the read and the option a little bit better. It just looks like the decision comes quicker. I think when you get into the passing part of the game, I think Jeff Sims actually passes a little bit better, even though I don't think he has as much power on the ball. Okay. Now, maybe we are, maybe I'm asking that question to the two of you. I'm really forcing you to split hairs. And if that is the case, to me, it's an easy answer in terms of what you do for this quarterback position, and that's find a guy who's not turning the ball over excessively. That's I think it. you're you're going to need both of them. I mean, there's there's no way I see the season playing out with nine remaining games, and you don't need both of those guys with as much as you're going to have to run the quarterback because, as I said, and I think everybody here agrees, that's your best weapon. Like yeah. you're, you're running your quarterback as your best weapon, so you need both of those guys because the chances of one surviving nine games, if he, you know, Jeff Sims had a game with 20 carries, Heinrich Harburg's first start, 22 carries, 21 right. carries. So... Uh, you you look at it as you're going to need both of them anyways, and so I I think they're going to default to when he's healthy. Jeff Sims will be the guy to start with. But the best thing that came out of Saturday, besides the fact Nebraska won a football game, Harburg did not look like he was scared of the moment. Mm-hmm. He did not look uncomfortable. He looked like he was someone who was ready to show up and play. He looked prepared. Like th- the amount of people that expected that to f- go against Nebraska at least from the message boards, because of the spring game that Heinrich Harburg really? had, huh. which, again, was against a defense that has kind of made every quarterback, other than Shador Sanders. In I one guess. half. So yeah. two two of in the three quarter, quarterbacks. Let's yeah. say in one quarter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even then, his first half was yeah. right, not right. good. So I I think that people can at least feel confident that if it is Heinrich Harburg, it's not like your offense is just going to be this completely one-dimensional thing. Yeah. You still have a lot of issues, which is you don't have enough explosion on the field, and that was not helped by the news of the week that I'm sure yes, we're going to talk. We'll about. get that and say, yeah. Uh, real quick, one more thought on the quarterback, and it's interesting to hear you say that, Mike, because while it feels like a lot of the conversation is, well, which one do you start? Who's going to start? Who's healthy enough to start? Blah blah blah, and so forth. What you're saying, I think, the real story potentially out of this for the rest of the season, the long term, is for the first time in how long Nebraska may have a backup quarterback situation where they bring a backup in that they're confident in is not going to be a huge drop-off. And like what happened last year when Casey Thompson went down is they were, they were in bad shape because they didn't have a, they didn't have a backup at that point that was ready to go. How much of that though is your QB one where he's at compared to QB two? Like, cause you talk about last year where Casey Thompson was, compared to his backups and what he was able to do with that offense and the playmakers that they had out there compared to this offense where Jeff Sims is now where we think Heinrich Harburg is. Is is QB1 a little bit lower on the ceiling, but QB2 is a little bit higher, so it looks like there's not as much drop-off based on the talent that they have and what the offense is built to do? I saw those games last year. I mean, that it was rough last year when yeah. the backup had to come in. Oh, I, it was rough. I know, but but is that more because there's a bigger gap between QB1 and QB2 last year and that this year Jeff Sims isn't 
isn't as good or it doesn't have as high of a level as Casey Thompson had with last year's group, so it doesn't look like there's as big of a I think gap it's the offense more than anything. Like what, what these guys are asked to do is really similar. What Logan Smothers is asked to do relative to Casey Thompson physically is not mm-hmm. going to go well. That's I mean, a good point. Logan Smothers isn't the same quarterback as Casey. Like, so Casey Thompson was the right quarterback for what Mark Whipple wanted to do. No one else on the roster <laughs> was. Yeah, Even true. his kind of hand-picked guy in Chubba Purdy did not look remotely capable of running the offense that, that Mark Whipple wanted to run, which is why they didn't score any points. Real quickly, can you name the last quarterback to win a game for Nebraska that didn't start the season as the number one quarterback? Uh, Like Riker Fife, maybe? There's one before Riker Fife. He's the next uh, oh. closest. Uh, this gets forgotten in the year of 2020. Oh, oh, McCaffrey. Luke McCaffrey against Penn State. Penn? Yep. Your last two backup quarterback wins, Luke McCaffrey against Penn State, Riker wow. Fife against Maryland. Wow. Uh, now, the only thing I can ever think about with, with Luke McCaffrey is the Illinois game in 2020. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That game basically just that, that overshadows that Penn State anything game? that He happens. started the Penn State game. Really? He I got don't... benched at the end of Northwestern Okay, when Adrian threw that interception. He threw it uh, down the middle of the field. Goes deep to the uh, to the safety, and then they bring in Luke, and Luke marches him right down the field, and then he throws a pass directly off of an offensive lineman's helmet. Wow! The ball sails in the air, and <laughs> Northwestern intercepts it, and Nebraska loses. Uh, that's a real thing that happened, folks. I, I barely remember I, that whole season is like a fever dream, right. to be but honest. So that's how rare it is. Yeah, because they've had a fair amount of backups in the yeah. last yeah. decade. That's true. They have two wins that right. I can, that I can name. That's a good point. Yeah, the, when they've went to the backup, it's not it's not generally so now three well. wins. Real quick, let's talk a little bit uh, about the other big news of the week, which is the injuries at the running back position. Mike, I mean, just beyond the cruelty of it all for for these guys in each in their own way. Irvin finally gets on the field, recovering from injury. Ramir Johnson has you know missed an entire season for like no reason last year, and now they both got their shot. Yeah. And they both, you know, had their moments where they were looking good. The the abject sort of cruelty of it for both of them, but um, boy, how much uh, the answer and how it impacts the offense is pretty obvious. It's it's Anthony Grant's game now, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> it's season. Anthony Grant's game, and you don't really have, you know, relative to we just talked about, you have two quarterback options. You now really only have one running back option, and we'll see what Emmett Johnson is and and Quentin Ives and everything else. But those are two guys that are a little bit smaller. You've lost the. Uh, the power component of Gabe Irvin, which as we saw against Northern Illinois, you know, there was probably about five rushes that went for one or less yards. And then he also at the end of that game, because of those five rushes where you just slam into people, suddenly when you're starting to, you know, run away from teams, those become bigger gains. Yeah. And he was able to take advantage of it. And Anthony Grant was able to take advantage of it. And so uh, you lose having that kind of two-headed monster there. You lose your probably favorite kick returner, uh, yep. which – you know, they wanted to be aggressive. Now I'm curious how aggressive you're going to be with whoever it is that's back there. You felt like Ramirez had a good sense of what he was going to do, and he obviously had the big return against Minnesota that set up their touchdown in that game. So it's a big loss. I mean, there's no question about that. I think for me, I viewed Anthony Grant as a guy that was ultimately going to take the job back anyways. I think he's the most talented of the three running backs. This makes some people very angry um, because – not just that fumble, he, you know, at the end of last year wasn't particularly good. Put ninety nine percent of that on the offensive line, uh, you know, and one and the play calling and 
a little bit on him just sort of dancing instead of getting forward. I thought he's looked pretty good Saturday yeah. night against Northern <clears throat> Illinois. I agree. So at least you're in a situation where you had three running backs, and if two went down, you have a, a third one that yeah. you're comfortable. That's he was the a leading rusher last year. Yeah. But now you need Anthony Grant to stay healthy. However, yes. yeah. he has been incredibly durable. I mean, he had 218 carries, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that I think would be more than happy to have 20-plus carries in every game. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but that's what he would he would love that if he could get it. And I think that he is going to finish out well. Like yeah. I, I I think that he showed against Northern Illinois. He showed against Minnesota, even on that run with a the fumble. There's a burst there. He's a home run threat. I yeah. like having him on the field with Harburg and with Sims. And I yeah. think because if they run that option, you have two guys that can get to the house. I think there's something big about the way the game ended on Saturday night. When yes, you Ramirez was out, Irvin was out. And you go and you get Anthony Grant some touches, and he scores a touchdown. I like. I don't think there can be enough said about the confidence level you have that comes with scoring. Final three drives. Go yeah. look at that. Well, the yeah, final, that, that final is three as drives, a total offense, but yeah. just for the running back room for Anthony Grant, where it was, and I know Matt Rule was saying that, well, he wasn't really in the doghouse. This is just how things set up. No, he was in the doghouse. They, he, he fumbled. There was all the stuff that had been put out there about fall camp. <laughs> I thought and he it, was in witness protection Yeah, they, they, because they, of the way the fan base reacted Yeah, to they, it. they didn't play him in Colorado yeah. because of what happened in Minnesota. But for him to come out, score a touchdown, and then now it's his show. Yeah. By the way, here's where it was. Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin had 172 and 95 career carries. Emmett Johnson and Quentin Ives combined for zero so far. Mm-hmm. Since high school, Anthony Grant has 596 collegiate carries, 234 in Lincoln. Yep. Yeah. that That's a guy who, if it gets to just a running game, he's probably going to get yeah. it 20 times, and 15, the, 20 times. And one more thing to add on that. <laughs> the other thing, I bet Matt Rule wishes he had that whole thing back with a fumble and Anthony Grant. A thousand percent. Because, you know, it's funny. I was talking to just people on, on, on Twitter this week, and they're like, well, he's a fumble machine. And I'm like, do you, like, do you realize in all, whatever carries amount you just had, I believe he's got two lost fumbles in yeah. his career. Yeah. One of one of them being the Minnesota game. He had one last year. against Illinois. He is not, dis- I mean, he may have been for a week this fall. Right, and he may need to improve some technique, but the, there's been this like fake create the Mandela effect essentially oh, of him okay. of him being a fumble machine last year. Mandela effect. I wasn't prepared for that. That's a that, that's seriously it's happened. They've got people ask go, try it on your message board sometime. How many? What do you think? If you had to guess, how many fumbles Anthony Grant's lost during 500 plus carries in his career? Everybody's gonna be like, ah, 13, 15, two. Yeah, that's. Two. I mean. That is a product of of that conversation, and I remember at the time just being like, he didn't lose that many fumbles. No, I think yeah, that's why I, I think it was he had weird three, to me. He did have three fumbles and lost one yeah. last year. It, so. it was it was weird to me because earlier that week I had basically just like on every radio show and asked about. It. I was like, I think Anthony Grant's going to be the guy. I mean, it just seems like this is where it's headed. Oh. Yada yada yada. You get to Saturday, and and Matt rules just like Anthony Grant fumbles too much, and I was like, all right, yeah, you're just, <laughs> all my info out. You're, the t- <laughs> you're bitter because you sounded wrong. I I see how this no, is no, going. I'm not bitter. I it's one of those things where it's like you finally just you know instead of just playing it easy and be like, well, they're gonna need all three, blah blah blah. You're like, yeah, it's gonna be this guy, and then you look like a moron. So. All right, let's grab a break. We're gonna get to some of the sound from this week on the Friday Husker Tailgate next. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back right after this on KLIN.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. But first, Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Time for Fantasy Huskers. This is where we give you a keyword to text us in, and we're going to pick one of you who texts it in to make a pick in the Fantasy Huskers draft. Keyword today is... Fantasy. F- fantasy. Good one. Fantasy. F-A-N-T-A-S-Y. <laughs> fantasy. If you get selected to make the pick, you will be asked... How many rushing yards do the Nebraska quarterbacks, whomever's listed as a quarterback, net rushing yards for the quarterbacks? Mike, I said 85. Uh, People think that might be low, though. That's generally low. That would be on the low end right now. The low end in the predictions. Would you take triple digits? I think everything is arrow up for the offense this week. Okay, including quarterback rush. Oh, there we have them on the uh, screen if people are actually... Watching on the Facebook page there, the highest one is Joshua at 133. Lowest one is Jeremy at 75. So those are where the picks are right now. And again, you get if you if you do get a pick, we're just going to add in whoever whoever's in there. More people need to put their neighborhood in their name, like Woods Park, Dennis. <laughs> we do, we do. Well, we do. We got Trenwood Park, Anita. We've got. Yeah. Uh, we do. We have a we have a full full variety of nicknames on the text line. There, so North Bottoms, Nate. No, I, I don't know if I've ever. Yeah, heard I tell that people one. I'm South Pine, Lincoln Schaefer. Now, Pine Lake, so. Mike, South yeah. Lincoln Schaefer. I don't. Nobody thinks of you as South Lincoln. You're That's a, where I'm at now. I know. It's a but, totally different personality. <laughs> just, just, I don't think you fit the culture. I don't know. That's just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true of everywhere I've been. So. Uh, I still think of you in the chicken district area yeah. there of Lincoln. So. I do miss the chicken district. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Uh, chicken what, Mike. What do we have? Uh, what do we have today in the sound off? Our first clip: Matt Rule talking about his first experience coaching in Memorial Stadium. It was unlike anything I've ever been a part of. Uh, um, I've go, gone into those. My mom's gonna yell at me for saying um so much. Uh, I've gone into those environments before as a coach and been like, you know, I've I've never coached in an environment where you have. I don't know if there's another place in the country where there's people are, are all in the stands that early to watch the warmups. Like, you know, like I'm used to like you know, kind of a lot of times you'll see me all the first. So we get the ball on the road to start the second half because there's no one in the crowd. And our our fans were all in the, in the stands at halftime, so it was unbelievable. Um, as I said, Isaac Gifford and Reimer, Gifford said to me right before the game, as they were kind of waiting for the when we do our specials, as we do the punt to go in, he said, "No matter what, coach, this will never get old." And uh, you know, not only for the recruits, but some of them are young players that are redshirting that are going to be unbelievable players. I just reminded them, I'm like, "Hey, this is all going to be yours someday. You need to make sure that when it's your time, that you're 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 going to." This is this is a lot of responsibility. You need to get make sure you're ready for when it's your time to play. Like I said Ives is one of those guys I said that to, not knowing that it was going to be the next day. But I thought it was an amazing experience. Um, you know, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a tremendous crowd, and I thought it was great for recruiting, obviously. But it was great for our players, and hopefully, great for the fans, and hopefully, they liked the way we played. 
It's true. There are a lot of people who watch warm-ups, but I always seem to get next to the people who have been tailgating up until the very last minute, <laughs> and they're trying to squeeze in during that first drive. Matt Rule needs to experience that to get the full Memorial Stadium experience. But it all it all it is always interesting when you've got people who go go through. I don't know how we, how what do they open the doors ninety minutes before a kickoff. Mm-hmm. Is that when they do it? Yep. Yeah, ninety minutes. People who do that whole ninety minutes. I don't know. You guys are probably there that early. Do yeah, a lot there's of a come fair in? amount of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right now, you know, if you're in the east balcony, you might have to show up ninety minutes just to get through the two gate access that you have. That uh, was a disaster. For oh, really? Week, so, Uh-oh. and I love that east balcony. That is a yeah. If it's nice weather, that's the place to sit. There, Trev had to send out an email about concession oh, promises God. and really, it was. Uh, it was I'm surprised it didn't make it the, I believe the airwaves. That, that's I didn't know about this. I yeah. wasn't I was out there. I believe the East Balcony to be the hidden gem of Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I think it's been discovered now at this point. Oh, Those man. new uh, seat backings and oh, everyone's yeah, there's using more the same. room. There's extra leg room. Yeah, the everyone's using the same concessions I, you now. Know what? I don't yeah. even want to talk about that. But yeah, the they they have like concession stands that are just for a small group of people up there. Well, it's no longer that's just a done? small group. <laughs> oh. Now everyone's using it. Oh. Secrets out. Crap! That makes me very sad. That was oh. I thought that was my thing. Time nope. to time to build another expansion. <laughs> yep, exactly. The east, another balcony, another higher level. Maybe because more east seats balcony. is what Memorial Stadium. <laughs> Can we right? get hey, the? There's going to be got to be a new volleyball game pretty soon. Maybe so. The South Stadium balcony. The South Stadium balcony. I don't know. Those are those are good seats. But yep. <laughs> again, again, credit. Uh, you know, it's not that I even not believe I, he's faking or anything. But credit to Matt Rule for knowing again. To knowing how to talk about this fan. He did it a couple of times this week, and he is just very good at communicating with this fan base. And it, it's going to look, look he's still going to get criticism at time, but but I think it is going to buy him a lot of equity with this fan base by being clear that he thinks about and understands and is passionate about the same things that they are. So there's been a lot of just been a lot of coaches who aren't very good at that. So oh, you, you want the, the clip where he it. talks a little bit more about the fan base? Sure, go ahead. He was asked initially about the potentially rainy yeah, game this is that what will I was happen thinking on of. Saturday. Listen to this one, yeah. Yeah, Jay, uh, Jay came up to me on Tuesday, and so we did it last night. You know, we practiced Wednesdays. We practiced half on the fields out here, half in the stadium. Um, so, um, you know, we, we did some wet football stuff last night. You know, luckily for us, you guys know us. Like, we don't go inside <laughs> in camp during the rain. So in training camp, we don't go inside in the spring. We don't use the indoor facility unless we absolutely have to. You know, doctor comes in and says it's too hot. You have to go in the indoor. Otherwise, we're outside because um, we play outside. So we've gotten lots of reps in the rain. Um, we've got lots of reps this week during a wet ball drill. And, um, you know, the great thing about being at the University of Nebraska is, you know, you know everyone's going to show up no matter what, you know. And um, for me, um, you know, um, I think about, I think about, you know, I think about all the people coming and sitting in the stands. I think about your family and friends, my family and friends, everybody going out there. Like, you know, we, they can't come and have us bumble the ball around because it's wet. Like, there's a standard. We have to play in a way that's, as Coach Osborne would say, is pleasing to the fans. And, um, you know, like it was reminded me by, by a former player last night, George Kairos, like I, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people all across the state that are working hard that can't come to the game. There's a bunch of farmers, you know, sitting in their cabs <laughs> working on fields. They're going to be listening to that game. Um, so um, we have to play to a standard and we have to be we have to show our gratitude and thanks. And so I'm thankful for all the people of the state and everything that they do. So we have to play well. So. You, know, you can kind of hear in my voice, like I'm trying to make sure our guys understand, like there is no excuse for not playing Nebraska football. And so 
we hear a lot of excuses. We hear, you know, when I said, you can hear them if you want to, like, ah, well, I'm, I'm a little banged up. We're a little banged up. We're a little tired. We've been through a lot. Who cares? You know, this is what it means to be a corn Oscar. Um, so this is an amazing opportunity. So I welcome the rain. I prepared, I prepared all camp in the rain saying, hey, guys, when it rains, you better go out there and be like, hey, we, we do this all the time. So that's why we did mat drills in the snow. Um, I hope it's a messy, ugly day because it gives <laughs> us a chance to overcome, show what we can do. Uh, by the way, precipitation per, uh, potential right now, according to the hour by hour, the National Weather Service at 2.30 p.m., 66%. Uh, likely chance of thunder all the way from 2 p.m. until 6 p.m. Uh, I don't know. I, we, we probably should get more from uh, somebody who's a better meteorologist or an actual meteorologist, but it does look like the chances are certainly there. In fact, maybe even likely for precipitation. Let's hope there's not chances there for uh, a lightning situation because we all know how fun that's been, and it's been something that's been kind of frequent, it seems like, in college football generally this year. Every time I pull out my score app, it seems like there's a bunch of games that are delayed by lightning here at this point. But I don't know, guys. It kind of seems like he's been waiting for this. He, I, Remember, he brought them all out, and he had them practice in the snow or run drills in the snow that one time. And he's been waiting for this moment. He's wanted to play in bad weather for a <laughs> while here. So I, I actually believe him when he says that with this whole thing. Although I think he'd probably rather have it happen against, uh, you know, maybe a Big Ten team that was going to try and throw the ball around a little bit. But nonetheless, a Purdue or a Wisconsin. Every time we hear Matt Rule talk, I feel like he was hired five to ten years too late. For Nebraska football, because now the divisions are going away, I feel like Matt Rule would have just thrived in peak Big Ten. That's West. interesting. Yeah, because yeah. he he wants it just to be. Yeah, we'll punt fourteen times today. <laughs> right. Well, we get a special teams break and win ten seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess you know, if it is a situation where it is where it is rainy, where it is a little messy, I don't. The wind looks like it could be up a little bit there as well. You do hopefully have an offense here that is gonna that is gonna travel uh, no matter no matter what the weather is here and hopefully won't be an issue. Wouldn't that be something if you go to Wisconsin in November and they're trying to run their offense, which they really should just be continuing to run the ball, but they insist on throwing the ball. Yeah, they with, still look good running the they, ball. They, they still look good running the ball, but they try and throw the ball to athletes that are not quite made for that offense yet. And they've looked uh, good running the ball against non power five opponents. Yeah, against non power five playing Buffalo and Georgia Southern. Have probably helped. The irony, though, if you had such bad weather there against Wisconsin that it hurt their offense and didn't hurt Nebraska's offense, that would sure. <laughs> that would. Ju- Sorry, I'm just fantasizing right now uh, about certain situations. All right, what do we? What else do we have? Here, uh, Matt Rule talked about what it felt like for him addressing the football team after the injuries that were announced earlier this week. Yeah, I think when I address a team about specifically about Ramir, um, you know. I think probably for the first time in my career, I got probably a little uh, emotional in front of the group. You know, I just thought, um, I, you know, I don't know if he'll ever play again. And it's like, you know, you know, you can't tolerate other people taking things for granted. When I know, and Ramirez having surgery today, and uh, uh, Gabe's having surgery today. Gabe had surgery yesterday, successful. Ramirez and Boodle are having surgery today. So I talked to both those guys this morning via text. And um, you know, if if he's going to go out there and go through that surgery, hoping that he can play football again. Then we're not going to tolerate as an organization, coaches, players, staff, anybody, you know, feeling sad about the schedule or their situation. It's, it's an absolute blessing to be here. We're fortunate to be here, and so I think that's the message that no one's promised anything. So let's make the most of today. Um, take advantage of today. 
Why do you think was do you think it was the nature of the injury for Amir or why I mean obviously both of them are out for the season and that's tough but why do you think he singled out Ramirez like that for he's maybe older. having cuz he still I think he still has a year left too if he Well if, to play. if he got a medical he could still play 2 years yeah. but, but but still yeah I just it, wondered about so, that some of it's a little bit age but you typically don't hear hear coaches especially the way he talked about Ramirez Johnson prior to this last game Everything that he had said back in the spring, what we had heard through fall camp was got a chance to play on Sundays because of his skill set, catching the ball out of the backfield, those types of things. You don't typically hear a coach when there's a season-ending injury that week talk about, I don't know if he's ever going to play again. Yeah, that, I mean, that, 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 yeah. that's not a statement that, that tends to come up. So that makes me think there's a severity to the injury with the surgery that has to happen that it's going to be a long rehabilitation. This is a shoulder, right? It him. could be a chronic issue. It could also be this. He's probably really close to 23 years old. So even yeah. if he has two more years, he'd be coming at coming that back at be. 24, which I'm not entirely sure this staff would want. Yeah. Um, and maybe somebody would, but then he's 24 years old and his sixth year of – like, it's really – we've gotten sort of to the point where, oh, well, he'd have an extra year. Not everybody wants to be Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's your only option to continue playing football, but – um, right. But there's know. a guy petitioning the NCAA right now for like a, a ninth year. Yeah, yeah. Right. I saw that. That's incredible. <laughs> At that That's point, incredible. I think it's fair to say you've had your opportunity. It's time to move on. <laughs> That's, yeah. Which That's... Shipley is it this time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. It, it. 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 And it is just going back though to to Ramirez, especially. Man, guys, it is frustrating because it felt like he. You, you had a little bit of it two years ago. Um, but it felt like he never just got used in a way that matched what he was wasted. Yeah, he was, that's yeah, that's a better, that's an easy way I mean, to say what I'm it's what I'm direct. Implying. I mean, it, Scott Frost wasted Ramir Johnson at times throughout his career, and we saw how good he could be in 2021. And I've talked about this game like five times this year already. We're three weeks in. Mm-hmm. That the Michigan, Michigan game, game yeah. in 2021 yeah. is the ideal usage of a running back like Ramir Johnson, and we got one game of it, yeah. and he was phenomenal against the college football right. playoff team, and I will be irrationally angry about and, this forever. And you still at, have- at one point, Nebraska's offense, besides the offensive linemen that are currently playing in the NFL— had Dedrick Mills in the backfield, had Ramir Johnson in the backfield, had Wandale Robinson, who was also taking carries in the backfield, but you you needed him on. That's a lot of stinking talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And almost none of it was utilized in the way that maximized that player's potential. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and you know, I guess to, to in defense of Frost slightly, it's only was two, three games here, but I still didn't see it. Really, this year, in the way that I felt, he still wasn't involved in the way that I hoped that he would yep. be during the course of this year, and I'm not not sure exactly. He had that kick return, which was big, that showed you a little bit of what he could do, uh, and then Gabe Irvin, uh, you know, another another situation as well. He's See, already I, had a season ending yeah, injury. My fear here is ago. you have two shortened seasons out of three for Gabe yeah. Irvin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has never made it out of the month of September, uh, and I guess he did last year, but he wasn't a relevant factor to what they were doing. Um, and then the the type of injury, Caleb, it was a hip, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, like that's not a. Obviously, we've seen guys come back from from leg injuries, but a hip injury at the age of twenty two. Yeah. Twenty one, twenty two. Like yeah. that's that's kind of like makes me sort of like, oh, I don't know. And right. then 
here's the thing, and we're going to learn it real quickly with Matt Rule. Like, they don't really, when you're out, you're out. They're not waiting for you to come back and you're going to get your spot back and all of that. It's, they got to move forward. Right. In the running back room, whether it's Quentin Knives, whether it's Emmett Johnson, uh, whether it's Kawan Lacey who's coming in, if they go out and get a transfer running back, which I suddenly think that they will. Yeah. Uh, they're moving forward. You know, Gabe Irvin has twice had kind of the opportunity right in front of him, only to have it snatched away by injury. It's, it's That's like I said, cruelty of the whole thing. But but you did touch on what I, exactly what I was going to ask you there. I mean, Anthony Grant's a senior, right? Yeah. And they're going to have to go find and, a running so back. So these two guys injured, you know, who knows? There are huge question marks about whether they want to, whether they can come back. And then you've got at least, you know, the next two guys now. We have very little idea of who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a... This is going to be a long-term issue, you said, and maybe maybe the answer is going to be the transfer portal again. Right. But I wondered, like, yeah, what is that roster even going to look like next year at that well, remember, position? Well, uh, remember, A.J. Allen was kind of supposed to be the future. There's and another then, one, Caleb, A.J. Allen. Oh, yeah. my this, gosh, yeah. This staff and he never really kind of meshed in terms of what they wanted and what he wanted. And he went into the portal, and he's at Miami. He's not playing there either. So uh, they're going to have to find someone with some uh, – some experience, I think, out of the portal. I, I would have a really tough time imagining that it. You know, he's, if he signs Kawan Lacey, he's going to be in a battle with Emmett Johnson and and Quint Knives. Now, maybe Quint Knives, who no one other than Nebraska was recruiting, is this hidden gem that completely explodes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's one. Of, and same with Emmett Johnson. Like these are two guys that, while very very productive in high school, we're talking about Nebraska beat out Monmouth, UNLV. Really? Uh, you know, St. Thomas. Like, there wasn't exactly the schools that you get excited about with a running back. Do you think they're going to – I mean, they'll still – one of them will probably get carries, though, on Saturday, Absolutely, right? Even, yeah. if, even if we're a close game. And look, they could end up really good. I'm just saying that the bet on these two guys is is out of total uh, – outside the norm of what you would expect. Yeah. So – Running back, I would imagine, is going to be a, a thing in the portal. And the nice thing is, there's usually a lot of them. The problem is, they're not always going to be particularly... Like, I feel like, other than Kenneth Walker, can you think of a lot of impact running back transfers? Ooh, man. You're putting me on the spot right now, but I'll be. Th- I'll think about that here for, like the, for a I guess bit. the kid... Is, um, that guy, the guy, the Northwestern had a two guys leave that ended up being pretty good for UCF and somewhere else. The the Western Michigan kid at Minnesota this year is looking okay. Yeah. I think um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good one. You just see it, like they you leave see more early. at quarterback for some reason. Yeah. Way more at quarterback. Than they leave back. early and they just completely disappear. And I think some of it is just the way the nature of running yeah. back is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's grab our break here. Uh, I want to hear a little bit from uh, from Caleb and Mike on the the very latest. I know we've been we heard a lot of clips here, but what we do know, uh, it, not less in terms of philosophy about who's playing quarterback, but just what we know about health situations with quarterback and at some other spots on the team going into Saturday against Louisiana Tech. You are listening to the Friday Husker Tailgate six fifty one LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, 654 LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. 
Uh, Caleb uh, and Mike, I guess, both of you guys, but yesterday I know we had a little bit of Matt Rule kind of waxing poetic about uh, tractors, farmers and tractors listening to the game and and playing in the rain and all yeah. those things. But I wanted him to shout out and say, on all of our great radio affiliates. Yeah, we got, I was like, come on, nice finish, touch. finish the Would thought, nice, Coach Rule. All of the on. farmers love KLIN. What if he just started name-checking farm communities throughout the state? Like, that would have been nice. He would have... Hey, whether you're out in... Uh, whether you're out in Imperial or Ainsworth, oh, he would have had to uh, bring up the uh, the special teams coach to to really do that. Ed Foley, Ed Foley. would have been the one who Ed Foley really had a nice that. slice of pie out in Thetford. I bet I bet Ed Foley's getting excited for the off season. It's about time for that trip again. Anyway, anyway um, what did did we learn anything just about injury situation? Can you guys read between the lines? Have any idea what's happening at that quarterback position? We talked we talked a ton already about sort of the what should you do. But what can you do? Can we talk about that right now a little bit? Or do we have any idea? Well, I mean, Matt Rule said multiple times he's not naming a starter before Saturday happens. So we'll find out Saturday uh, during warm-ups, which one's taking the reps with the, the top team. I I had been of the mindset it was going to be Heinrich Harburg because um, I wasn't sure that Jeff Sims was going to be ready. I don't think that you play him unless he is ready, especially with the field conditions mm-hmm. potentially being what they could be. But the way that that Matt Rule talked about Sims on Thursday indicated that he is close to to pretty much pass his injury entirely, which then strikes me as it's going to be Jeff Sims because the biggest thing about this entire game, whoever you start in this game, assuming they stay healthy throughout the duration of the game, has to start against Michigan. Because the idea of throwing someone into that game, like if Jeff Sims doesn't play against either of Northern Illinois or Louisiana Tech, and you're like, all right, Jeff, here you go. Here's Michigan. Yeah, the, I mean, the the most difficult... Seems like you're asking to fail. What are you going to do if Harburg, if, if Sims can't go or shouldn't go against Louisiana Tech? You then play you start Sims, Harburg. Both you play games. Harburg, and yeah. he has another... And he, he throws for three touchdowns and runs for two touchdowns. Like, what do you do then? You just keep that going with it. I, I kind of think so, too. But I, mean, that, I don't know that he will. Well, and look, I mean, that's why he's the coach and we're yeah, here. But that's true. That's the, the thing of it is... I feel pretty strongly if you're going to have any chance against Michigan at all, it's going to come with a guy who's been playing the position for the last week at least relative to the idea of just you haven't played since Colorado. You've led two touchdown drives yeah. in two games. I know. I, the I offense agree. has not played Look, well, and here's the best team on the schedule. You're preaching to the choir. You're preaching <laughs> to the choir here with me. I agree. I agree. The idea is, I mean, honestly, the ideal situation would be Sims could play this week, to be honest. Which might happen. Which would be you play him this week and get him a chance to – you get a chance to see if he's going up against a defense yep. like Louisiana Tech and gets to have a day like Harburg had last week, you feel a lot better saying, okay. Or better. I mean, I, I kind of expect better. Or better. Yeah. Or – or if the turnover monster comes back, right. you know what? You know you say, well, you you, you can't Nothing do you it. Can do here, you just yeah. can't do it. You can't have that that kind of a situation. I, I expect to see both quarterbacks play on Saturday. You think it, it, they'll it, be it, both? It, if one, because the game will be out of hand. Because the game will be out of hand, but also because I think you're going to need both quarterbacks going forward, and this is one of your last games that you can uh, you can afford you can to get both, both guys in. And I got I got ripped on social media for saying if 100% healthy based on Matt Rule's previous statements about Jeff Sims and kind of that's the starter that they they like start him 
Get him a few series. Hopefully you're up a couple of scores, which I know hasn't been the case with him at quarterback, but hopefully that's where you're at and the defense is playing well. Then you play Harburg the rest of the rest of the way, and that sets you up for Sims to start against Michigan, but now you've got more snaps under his belt for Harburg. You're going to need both yeah. of them over the course of the year. Again, I think your best-case scenario is to get a good look at Sims in this game. I, I agree with all of I mean, I just wonder with the field conditions of what they're going to be and this guy with a, an injury. Yeah. Like, I... You know, and that could be too. And that I'm just too. saying, if it was me, you got to play whoever starts against Louisiana Tech against Michigan. And, and if Zims can't go, that might mean, right. yeah, that that would mean Harburg. Obviously, we'll see. It's 6:58 on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, for Nebraska, pitch yourselves. What a rally! The Huskers poured it on. It's 11-4 in the first. Think 1499.3 KLIN. Traffic. Collect the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics. Who showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 706, welcome back. Very lively, very lively during the break. Sorry. About nothing no one else cared about. That's That's true. That's the best part. A lot of things that nobody else cares about. So, anyway, glad to have you back with us on the Friday Husker Tailgate. 7 o'clock hour. Uh, Still coming up this hour, we're going to count down the five things you're talking about this Husker weekend. We are going to do our Big Ten look around here. Big Ten is, I don't know, man. It stinks. It's... That's one way to say it. It stinks, so we'll get into that a little bit later. 8 o'clock hour opposition disposition. We'll take a closer look at Louisiana Tech. Kevin Suits is going to join us, and we will get into our picks as well. So, busy day here. Spend the morning with us on the Friday Husker tailgate, but now it is time to make some college students' day by giving them a virtual helmet sticker that they can cherish forever. They'll be calling their families a little bit later this morning and say, Hey, Ma, did you see I got a Friday Husker tailgate helmet sticker? <laughs> who will it be this week? Uh, who wants to start this week? Any volunteers? I'll go, go first. You, you want to, in case everybody has the same ones like we all do on every segment of the show anymore? <laughs> I'll go first just because okay. I want to be the one to give this one first. Okay. Heinrich Harburg. Okay. You, you're a backup. You go in. I don't care who the opponent is. You got your first Power 5 start. Nebraska kid wasn't even traveling a year ago. There were some concerns about what position he was going to play. We didn't get to that one in the in the sound off, but the, the coaching staff said, no, we like you at quarterback. He didn't jump in the portal. He stayed the course. Stuff happened. He got the start. He got the win. He, he managed the game well. Helmet sticker Heinrich Harburg. Were you giving Heinrich one? Uh, I 
You normally I, I, would. I'm, I'm going to hold off okay. just to try then to get some different. Let me stay on Harburg because I was going to give Harburg one yep. too, and I know you probably. I know I knew there would be other ones, but all things considered, right? I thought he. I thought he did his job. He did his job very well, and what has to be not only exciting but a bit of a, a nerve wracking situation here, and especially that look. Nebraska's lost to Northern Illinois before. Nebraska's lost this exact game before multiple times, no matter who's at quarterback. And this game, I mean, now it doesn't necessarily seem like it, but there's some pressure going into that game, right? If things don't go well at that point, that is going to really kind of tarnish a memory that should be something that's really special for him. But I thought he did a good job. I knew, look, look, Caleb, I, I knew, as you said, he was going to be a good runner. I he, he was a better runner than I thought, even. I think one of the things he does have to figure out is, like, he does either need to go full full power into everybody or slide, not do the half-and-half half thing, which he tried to do a couple nope, of that's times. Not, nope, Satterfeld just says, just go do whatever you want. You, you wouldn't have told Eric Crouch to slide. No, I, so. no, I'm not telling him to slide. I'm telling him to either slide or run the guy over, not some combination of that, which he sometimes did the a am- few times. The amount of people... On social media, that when I said, "Man, I'd love it if Heinrich Harburg could get some time with the baseball team to learn how to slide," and they were like, "You pansy, that's not." <laughs> a pro-. I was like, "Okay, I'm sorry I, that I would look. I would love for his long term health to be okay." I, and, and and again, I, I'm w- with Satterfield too, if that's what he wants. But in all seriousness, there were times where he it looked like he was thinking about sliding, but he didn't really want he was to. In between, yeah, and he was sort of at this in between spot, but. His speed around the edge was good. I mean, as advertised, it is kind of interesting to think about what kind, you know, um, how he differs as, as a runner than Sims. Like, I, I don't know who's faster straight ahead. Um, I think Sims is maybe is going to be a little bit more shifty, um, maybe making more moves in Harburg, but. I don't they really both know. have elements of power. Like, like neither yeah, one they, is like gonna juke anyone. That's true. Maybe and it's not just straight line speed. Like they have elements of power in their game. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I keep looking at their game. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty comparable with yeah. the two of them. The the Harburg slide thing. It's worth remembering. Outside of you know, whenever they would go live in practice, it's not like he's been able to go against other teams a lot. So like learning the speed of the college game was happening for him as it was going on. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. part of it's true. It, Part of why he might have been in between is just misjudging. Things. But but I I'm actually I'm I'm with Satterfield. I mean, let him. <laughs> this this is a weird way to think about it, but it's if you're gonna run, now you've got two guys now, two quarterbacks that can run that is going to be one of your best options. You can't not you can't not be aggressive with them running because you're worried about 100%. injuries. And now you got two of them. It's like you got two lives at the end of you know Mario World. Seven, and if you get seven, down to two. a third, there's Chubba Purdy with starting experience. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, you, uh, if you're going to lower the shoulder, he's not going to do it on a lineman. Most likely, he's not going to do it on a linebacker. By the time he gets to somebody, it's going to be a defensive back. Maybe he's going to let Anthony Grant pick it out for him when he's going to lower that shoulder. <laughs> right. Yeah, he can do that. Too. Yeah, but that plus it fires everybody up, right? I mean, I think I, th- I think people like yeah, it. Yeah, the so. people like it. People uh, like it. All right. Go ahead. Phelan Sanford getting Whoa. a helmet sticker. Oh, that's a normally, special teams Normally, one. these go to Brian Buschini, and I'm I, still, I knew this as soon as still it a little salty about what happened in Colorado. So no helmet sticker to Buschini this week, but his cohort in crime, a good coffin corner punt, and right there, Johnny on the spot, Phelan Sanford. He has been on this team since roughly 2011, I think. And he's still and, a junior. Yeah. He, it just feels like he's been around forever. 
Uh, he always plays special teams. He helps out on defense. He's good depth. He's one of those guys that the walk-on program exists, not necessarily because of the guys that go on to be stars and everything else, but players like this that lengthen out your roster. He's valuable, and he's going to be needed throughout yeah. the year. I mean, it just that kind of play, you don't see it in the box score. Yeah, But that kind of play was exactly the complimentary football. It worked right in line with then your special team sets it up, your defense gets a stop, they get off the field, the offense gets a short field, and they get a touchdown. And when you describe that it that one, way. One, two, three, exactly what you when want. When you describe it Fancy. that way, I feel bad I didn't give him a helmet sticker. When You, you should you, feel bad. I do. By the way, pride of Binkelman, yep. Caleb. Tell me something about Binkelman. You tell me where Binkelman is. Nebraska. Gotcha. You thought I had no idea. <laughs> Out west. <laughs> <laughs> he's played. He's played, by the way, um, every game since. played The last five games of the COVID season, he's yep. played in every game since yep. then. No, he's been around. On special teams, but also he was rotating in and on defense as well. He played extensively on, on defense last year. The only thing I, I remember, too, not the only thing, another thing I remember about him is that every time they put out those... Uh, talk about the physical testing results that they do in the offseason. He's, he's like way up there. Yep. Like you, ex- you, he's running with the five stars and that. that yeah. Well, doesn't matter four what stars, but what he's coach, always up yeah. there. He's impressed every. It doesn't matter who's running special teams, which coach. I mean, he's just a guy that. It's a valuable part of this. Yeah. team, and nobody and knows about it. Phelan is built for the combine. Yeah, <laughs> what, Rule, he's gonna have a hell of a pro day. <laughs> Honestly, Rule talked about him like he's good enough to be. A true special teams specialist, yeah. like at the next level, and I don't know. I don't know if NFL, you know, got. I remember Steve Tasker for the Bills back in the day. That was what. That was what he did. But I don't know if NFL teams really draft guys or, or well, pick I up. Mean, they, I mean, they Tasker. definitely go find guys that have good. Film you don't, you remember Steve Tasker? No. Oh, I don't. Look, Steve Tasker up. It's a little bit before your time. No, that's somewhere between. Kenny's nodding his head. He, he remembers Steve Tasker. That's somewhere between sixth round and undrafted, but they'll go they'll go look at guys like that, add them to their practice squad, and yep. then have the potential of going, especially for a guy like him, you are depth linebacker, but you will be on every special teams. Yeah. He blocked a punt last year too. And and real we need to move on, not just gush about failing Sanford for so <laughs> we long. Gush, no, we can, but, that's fine. But the the other thing is when that play happened, I, I that might have been the most audible yell I had. I was watching by myself in my living room. My audible yell I had just because that ball trickles into the end zone so many times over the last few well, years. Well, the thing is, and, and Caleb, because we had such a good view of it, he had beaten that ball so perfectly that initially I thought he was just going to catch it in the air. <laughs> but he's so good that not only did he not need to catch it in the air, he's standing there parked on the end zone line so he can step up to the ball yeah. as it trickles right there down it. I've got to imagine that's harder than it looks. Oh, it has to be. you got to get the free release. you got to be fast enough. The punt has to stay high enough in the air. Yeah, it's not easy. I, just, I feel like you should just say that after every play. Yeah, I feel like that's no, harder especially, than it looks. I mean, on that, I, obviously it's hard to get like you know, thrown down by a 300 pound dude obviously but me running down alone of the field i don't need to be a spectacular athlete i just need you're to not running alone get you the have timing to run past basically someone. alone after you pass everyone basically alone look in the sky see a ball who you are you running it. past right i don't now, think this guy was ever on punt unit i wasn't i was on i was on uh i was on kick return Kick return my freshman year, and then I don't nope, think I played any other special teams. I was going to say, how far, how far from from close to the kick to kick returner were you? Like, st- <laughs> were you getting st- drilled st- by an Eric? St- st- stop me when I'm in that kind area. Kind of in the middle, <laughs> More closer to the kicker than the sideline. If you really need to know, my All second right. helmet sticker, Nash Hutmaker. 
<sighs> led the team. <sighs> there are guys that play good. Why you didn't go even, first. Why, why, I don't. Do you like? Do you just think you're the only one that watches? I the didn't game? know if anybody noticed he had a good game. Did I didn't read any coverage. Of I the was. Game? I've been waiting to talk about him having a good game. I was holding it till today and to spring it on everyone. <laughs> And now Caleb steals my thunder. He had all of the push in the middle. He got credited for half a sack. He had multiple tackles for loss. What do you mean nobody else was going to look at Nash Hutmaker in this game? I thought I really had some uh, impressive. Clearly doesn't read the Husker twenty four seven game ball. Whatever, he's, he's a dude. Go, go on. Observations during that game that Fine. other people probably didn't have at the level Here, that I did. Say all of your things. I, I, I gave him the helmet sticker. You are too. He got a lot of tackles for loss. <laughs> And he, student Alice. And he pushed harder than it looks out there. He pushed he pushed that center backwards a ton. I don't know if you guys saw that, but that guy was going backwards a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So that's a little of that's a little of what I saw. I also am giving him a helmet sticker. Are you giving him a helmet no, sticker? I'm gonna stay oh, well, on the defensive good. line. You didn't notice the things I did, apparently. Great. Well, you could have picked anyone on the defense, honestly, though. Okay. Week. But in all seriousness, uh, all seriousness, uh man. Hutmacher's been what a thank should that you. be five? Was he at three coming in, and then you both gave him? Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Thank you. I, I don't want to give him one yet. here because I, I don't want him coming into the studio getting mad. By the way, before we go to another one, I I have to play this. Okay, Nash Hutmaker, Hutmaker. Thank you. That's him. Thank you. You just keep that uh, up for me He's, the whole game. Well, <laughs> the it's the not whole just pronunciation you. guide over It here. is very hard for me to make this adjustment based on multiple years do, of Hutmacher being a. Do fan. it one more time, please. Could, could I get one more of Nash saying his name? Oh. Nash Hutmaker? Hutmaker. Like, makes huts. Can we get this for Gus Johnson? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's hope that's not necessary <laughs> again this year. But he's been great. All right, go ahead. Go All right, ahead. I'm going to stay on the defensive line. I'm going to stay in the state of Nebraska. Jack, I bet you could even tell people where Creighton Prep is. And we're going to go with A.J. Rollins, who is the latest Ooh. player to just sort of emerge on Nebraska's defense, <laughs> having not played much the week before or the week before that, or even played the position before the start of the year. And he went and had a nice game. He it. provides good depth. And look, this is what people have dreamed of. They have laid in their beds late at night. They have thought, when is Nebraska going to have more than one or two players on defense that I can trust? Now they have 30. <laughs> they have 30. They can't even get them all on the field at the same time. That is a penalty. They can't have that many. <laughs> the farmers are in their cabs. Uh, it is. But, I mean, you I, joke, but it's so true. I'm watching that game, and there continues to be new guys shuffled in. I like to imagine you're just like, who? who? Now, who is that? And who is this? Why are they doing oh, a line Rollins. change? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have, again, the, uh, the necessity of having rosters nearby you during the games is just, it's huge for me. Um I knew who Rollins was. I knew his number because there was a big deal made about his position change, and I thought he looked decent in the spring game last year. But to see him come in when he really hadn't played again early. And you don't have Blaze Gunnarsson. You don't have Cam Lenhart. You need to get some depth there. You're building that depth. And you got a guy who's going to be at this position for several years, and he looked comfortable. He looked fine. He helped you out. Like I I think he represents, again, what is great about this defense in that you can have guys that look like stars, and you can have guys that can slide right in, and it feels like there's no drop-off. Yeah. Here, here's the most impressive thing about all of that, and, and Rollins is kind of epitomizing that here, is that with this defense and them rotating so many guys in, it looks good now because you're going, oh, all these guys can go in. The defense doesn't have a whole lot of drop-off. 
it's going to look even better by the end of the season when you're healthy, and, and in future seasons when yeah, fresh, guys, I should yeah, say. well, yeah, yeah, guys, guys are fresh because they haven't had to do so many stops, take so many hits. But the amount of guys getting reps that they would not have otherwise gotten because of the rotation. That's going to help out the overall development of the program. We should seriously go through the roster and take out guys who are injured on defense and guys who are redshirting on defense and see if we can identify and sort of figure out an algorithm for who the next guy who's randomly going to be in there and be like, <laughs> oh, he pl- he's going to play in this game? Okay, because that's definitely happened against Louisiana Tech. I just need to go pick someone randomly on here. <laughs> and I say that sort of jokingly, and I can't really find anyone who isn't already playing at this point. It's a little difficult. Jack's uh, just waiting for the Randolph Kapai game. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, I want to talk. put a pin in that. We'll talk about it more during the morning drive, but I, I'm curious on Mike's thoughts on that, too, when recruits are coming in and kind of seeing what this system looks like um, and how it may be hopefully beneficial for Nebraska, but we'll save that for a little bit later in the show today. All right, back to you, Caleb. Uh, my last one, Quentin Newsom. Finally got a couple hey. of uh, targets his way, got a couple of pass breakups over there, really liking what, what he's doing. It, it's hard to it's hard to see him get too involved because a lot of folks just aren't throwing near him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, probably the most, in my opinion, the most uh, underrated, just for the exact reason you said, probably the most underrated player on this defense so far this year because if he's doing a good job, you don't know about it for the most part. Yep. And he's tackled solid as well. So Quentin Newsom gets his first one. Was he on one of our teams? Yeah, Caleb, he was on your team. Hmm, interesting. Oh, oh. interesting. Okay, I didn't do it for that reason. Okay. But Yeah, unlike my, for, who my first two picks were Gabe Irvin and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. So, yeah. All right. Wait, uh, who else is on your team? I'm afraid for the rest of yeah. the year. Reimer and Fedoni. So. Stop it. Uh, I'm Reimer sorry. might get one next week just for the profile. That'd that be I good. Gonna be oh. Yeah, and the, get your game program. Spend that 10 bucks or whatever it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you got, Mike? Uh, I am going to go with Tom Fedoni, uh, who nice. you know has been in the news uh, for things other than football, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know this was a thing. He starts shushing the crowd, I guess. Yes. And uh, I, that got and explained like, to me real fast, and then I never wanted to hear about it again. That's, and it did point. not go away. But <laughs> we don't think Thomas Fedoni is going away anytime soon. I mean, he's gotten more snaps each week, starting from week one to week three. He's now fully into a football season for the first time in his collegiate career. This is a guy who's one of the best players I've ever seen at the high school level. Uh, one of the top tight end recruits in the country the year that he came out, if not the number one recruit based on services. This is a guy that could be really, really helpful as Nebraska continues to figure out what they are. Let me ask you, you kind of what you saw from him, and it's been a while back now, but what what specifically about him made him so highly coveted in high school? And are you are you seeing that? Are you starting to yeah. see that? Is that? Do you think that's coming? He's an explosive athlete that had great yards after the catch because he was fast and strong. I mean, he played wide receiver, and he's learning to play tight end. So it's a, it's a transition in that regard, but... For for what he played at the high school level, he was just big and strong and fast. And then, oh, by the way, his hands are just incredible. I mean, he was pulling in everything. He's the kind of guy right before half that if you had the ball, your quarterback could just sort of chuck it. Like, he was kind of an instant Hail Mary because mm-hmm. he could out-jump people, he outrun people, his strong hands. So I watched him catch two Hail Marys really? in his career, and neither seemed like they were as difficult as the one Russell Wilson pulled off <laughs> on and Sunday. the more run that you get from Heinrich Harburg, 
the more connections you're going to see. Yep. You're going to see the ball thrown at Fedoni even more. Yeah. Those two definitely, you know, they got the roommate thing going on, and they've known each other for a long time. And so that was that was actually really cool Saturday night, just listening to both of them talk about that. Like, each individually has kind of gone through it a little bit, has definitely had doubts of Nebraska as a place they needed to be. So for them to sort of jointly have this big night together, kind of a cool thing, yeah. I feel like. Hey, are you playing me out with music? I still have a helmet sticker to give away. What am what is it? What am I winning an Oscar here? Yeah, let's go. We're give give me the hook. This is my moment. I have, a, I have three helmet stickers. Who has Jack thought you know, of that? No one realized had a good game. And to give it. Oh, he already got one. Did I do that? Uh, I'm giving another one to Javen Wright. Um, I think I've become just. I'm, I'm the top of his fan club. I've been. He's another. He was at the beginning of the year. He was the honorary mystery guy. Uh, first week of the season, and now he's graduated into I, I know who he is now <laughs> on the defense, and I support him strongly. He got his pick this week. He's continued to play well. I, I just, I, I really enjoy watching him play. He's, I think he had three or four tackles in this game as well, and he's a unique, again, it just kind of goes to something we've talked about before is just the unique styles of the players within position groups. In this defense, which goes to a little bit of what Tony White's doing, he is—he's very different in terms of his size and experience and style than a bunch of the other linebackers in that linebacker room as well. Um, he had a shot an interception against Colorado; he didn't get it. He got it this time, and so uh, I'm a fan of his. So I'm going to give Javen Wright his second of the year. So that puts our standings: first place, Nash Hutmaker. In first place with five. And then we've got a tie between Cam Lenhart, Omar Brown, and mystery guy, uh, Bear. What's his first name? Mikhail? Michael? Mackay. Mackay Bear. Not, not like Gorbachev. Mackay. Uh, <laughs> Mackay. But I, I still think of him as the honorary man. They Gorbachev gotten, is getting a helmet sticker. Uh, two for <laughs> Jack Mitchell's going to walk in on our news talk show. Gabear, tear down this wall. <laughs> two. <laughs> Two for Buscini, two for Fedoni, two for Harburg, two for Wright, one for Henrich, one for Newsom, one for Rollins, one for Sanford, one for Borkutcher. So that is where we are right now. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. We're going to count down the five things you're going to be talking about this Husker weekend, and I'm going to regroup right here on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, and the Huskers have- if you come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. All right, and it's brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. So let's count them down, the five things that we are going to be talking about this Husker weekend. So let's get it going, starting with number five. Well, we've already discussed it, but it's clearly the first topic on most fans' minds as they go into this week and the stretch of games. Who will be the quarterback? Who do you guys think should be the quarterback? How should all of this be handled going forward? Question one, I don't know. Question two, the one who turns it over the least. Number three, play the one that turns it over the least. There you go. Fixed it. Answered all three of them. Next. But until you know, so does that mean right now, no matter what, both healthy Heinrich Harburg starts for you? Yeah, Jack, who are you starting? Wow, now that you put it that way, it's a lot harder to coach than I thought. <laughs> um, 
It's no, harder than it looks. I, I, wow. I will go back on Not as I, easy as just catching a I will, hunt. <laughs> here's, what, here's what I think. I think this Louisiana Tech, Tech game, in a perfect world, Sims would be able to play, and you would you would play Sims and and take a look and see what he does in this game to see because obviously if the coaches are going to go back to him or they think they're going to go back to him. They have some sense that they believe, right or wrong, that those first two games and the turnover propensity three each game was a bit fluky for him. That that's not something that they obviously don't expect that to happen again. As a, as somebody who's watching the game, I want to see it. I want to see that proven out. I want to see what Jeff Sims like. I want to see what Jeff Sims actually looks like when the game isn't just a mess of turnovers constantly. Because I feel like I still haven't even really seen that. What Jeff Sims looks like in an extended drive, and we haven't seen Sims get into the red zone and, and score a touchdown. Yeah. So you, he's got the one thing he does have on Heinrich Harburg: touchdowns of thirty plus yards. Sims yeah. has got two. Harburg's got none because all of his scores came from extended drives that they got into the red zone and they punched it in, whether it was him running it or or a pass to Fedoni, whatever it was. To me, based on what Matt Rule has said, not not necessarily who I think has a a better long-term position at, at Nebraska, based on what Matt Rule has said about Jeff Sims, he is the starter if 100% healthy. But based on the game looks they now have from Heinrich Harburg, that leash is shorter. I think had they had these game looks on Harburg, you wouldn't have gotten seven turnovers in seven quarters. The the leash would have been shorter at some point. Now think about it, though. When you got late in that third quarter against Colorado, the game still wasn't out of hand. I think they still felt they had the best chance to win with Jeff Sims. But if it's me, you make sure and you find a way, as long as it's not a close one and you think you've got to go to a specific guy, both guys get run on Saturday. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, uh, if if they're both healthy, i go with Jeff Sims. That's the guy that you thought going into the year that was your best option to, to win with. I think he deserves the opportunity to play against Louisiana Tech to, to prove that the first two games might have just been things were a little bit out of sync and you try to knock some of that rust off because you're going to need him either way. I mean, whether he's your starter or not. But I, I think that you you want to give him that opportunity against Louisiana Tech. I'm just not sure that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, so that's what I want too, I think. But the now the, the, the when that scenario gets a little rocky is if he does come out and the first drive he throws a pick. Right. Well, that's that's football, right? Like, so if he continues to turn the ball over, then it's on the coaches to make the decision. Right. What's going to put the team in the best chance to win? That's, I mean, that is all that. So I don't worry about it too much. He'll either play his way out of the position, or he'll continue to retain it. I know that there are a lot of people who are going into this, and they already have picked their guy in this whole thing. Well, that's kind of the problem. I like, have it not. Doesn't matter. Who I have they not. Pick. I I have not. I just, and I don't know which one is going to turn the ball over less. But that's all I want. That's all I want is the one who is going to be least likely to turn the ball over. Seriously. Because all of the other things and the comparables of them, nothing else even, there's just no differential big enough to override that whole thing. And so whoever that is. Now, how do you effectuate that in terms of who you play? That's not necessarily an easy question. Do you go one out once they do it and then a minute you don't really want to do that? How do you know who that is in the moment, necessarily? And ultimately, it, it's tough because either quarterback, whoever you pick, shoot, even if it was Chubba Purdy or anyone else in there, they are handcuffed based on the offense's abilities right, right now. Like, overall, it doesn't necessarily matter the play calling. It's You're down 
your top two running backs that you had on your depth chart. You're, you're rolling with a guy who's got a lot of experience, but you had him number three on your depth chart. And then a couple of guys who have no experience at the college level, a whole lot of pass catchers that just lack the ability to get separation or take the top off of a defense. All of those things hurt whoever the quarterback is. So there's a good chance that Jeff Sims looks good or looks bad or Harburg looks good or looks bad. But the rest of the offense isn't necessarily going to be a help for them. It's going to be so much more of a hindrance. Yeah. Uh, Again, turnovers, turnovers. Uh, Mike, you said something on Monday when I talked to you on this show that I've been thinking a lot about this week, too. I know. It was good. It was good. I I brought it up to other people. um, And I'm very much paraphrasing, so tell me if I I said it wrong. But I think you were kind of talking about how both Sims and Harburg are up there in terms of the most dangerous players with the ball on this offense. You don't have to go. I mean, I suppose you could put Anthony Grant there and maybe sit, uh, and Millie, maybe Billy Kemp. But yeah, maybe. Other th- we but haven't other, seen it, really. Maybe. They're probably two yeah. of the three most dangerous guys carrying the ball. And your point was, you you kind of need to use them both yeah. then. And I wonder if there are... This staff has already shown they are willing to be creative with using guys, multiple guys, in not necessarily all of the time in the offense, but for instance, bringing Tommy Hill in a little while, bringing Jalen Lloyd in, right? For a little while, bringing Heinrich Harburg in against Minnesota. Yep. There's like two or three other ones as well where we've seen that. I would be surprised if they didn't have a little something up their sleeve that is going to utilize. I don't know if it's switching them out. I don't know if it's getting them both on the field. I don't know what it looks like. But I think they're going to try and keep them, to some degree, both involved. Yeah, I mean, that's entirely a possibility. The one concern there is if you already have a kind of hampered Jeff Sims, do you want to risk yeah. a potential? And that might be more mm-hmm. a Michigan thing. Well, and I, to me, that's more of you like save, the kitchen sink. That. You're, yes. yeah, that's, you're that's more. I'm thinking down right. the road. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that and in that regard, absolutely. But I, to me, there's no question that these are two of your top three guys that are yeah. explosive. And, you know, you only really get to put one on the field unless you're doing something with Heinrich Harburg right. where he is lined up as the H-back. You're not going to do that with Jeff Sims. I mean, I've seen people say this. They want Jeff Sims moved to running back. That's not going to happen no, either. No, no, I don't so, want that. Uh, I don't want that. But I also would have no problem with seeing Harburg, Harburg lined up as, sure. you know. I don't. Uh, I think all options need to be on the table when your offense is this devoid of playmaking. Yeah. So I, I think that they have to consider anything and everything real quickly on the turnover stuff. One thing that I think is imperative, it's not just the turnover, it's how the turnover happened or what, like if, if Jeff Sims throws an interception and the ball gets batted up in the air and picked off and he made the right read and he made the right throw and it just bounces right. off of a guy's shoulder pads, that's entirely different to me than if he's just not catching the snap. Right. If the snap thing is still an issue in, early in the Louisiana Tech game, then by all means. Yes, move on. And Harburg had one, and it wasn't. Nobody was really had their right. arms up about right. about that because of the reason that you were right. saying. So, number four, Nebraska was dealt a tough blow, losing two of their main three running back options with season-ending injuries to Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson. Obviously, the biggest outcome of this will be a much larger share of work for Anthony Grant. But how else do you see this impacting the team and overall the season? I don't know. I'll be interesting with, interested to see what you guys say, but I think now that they've they've got two comf- quarterbacks that they feel comfortable with, they've seen the quarterback run work, I think they'll be more intentional about the quarterback run more often. I think that's the other thing that you're going to see. And they, the numbers were already pretty high, but it felt like they even, even in that Northern Illinois game, they play called a little bit differently going intentionally with the quarterback run. I think these two guys, whoever's in, <laughs> this goes back to that last question. 
they're both going to have a lot of opportunities to run the ball. Well, even if it, even without the injuries to the running back, the best play calling they could do was intentionally running the quarterback more. Yeah. So like that, that's the best that their offense looks is when the quarterback has the ability to run the ball, whether it's a, a called pass and he's he's rolled out and he's just making a decision, throw it low, throw it high, or run the ball. You have to run the quarterback. So Anthony Grant's just going to get a lot more touches. You'll see a, a handful go in for Emmett Johnson and Quentin Ives, whatever, whatever they feel comfortable with in, in those situations. But you are one injury away from guys who have no collegiate touches being your number one running back. Yeah. Like that, that's, that, that's the, how far the depth the is gone. That's the scariest thing about this whole thing, I think, Mike. Yeah. It's definitely not ideal. I, I keep wondering if this doesn't result in some of the ways that you can take some of the burden off of Anthony Grant because you can't just put every carry on him. I wonder if we don't see a few more sort of gadget-type plays with your wide receivers. I mean, we see this throughout Absolutely. football, uh, utilizing your athletes in space, and Matt Rule is no stranger to this. He was doing it at Carolina. Uh, you know, I'm sure Marcus Satterfield was doing it at South Carolina. A good way to get Billy Kemp the ball. Right. And so we might see more. 100%. Uh, you know, you have kind of a triple option, except you're freezing with Anthony Grant pulling away from there, and then you got the wide receiver trailing around the backside of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you have stuff like that. You have just that the little pop toss play that Xavier Betts turned into an effective yes. weapon. Yes. I mean, there's different things that they can do, and they've tried it a little bit. Uh, you know, every time it, it largely has not been successful when they've done the Tommy Hill thing or Jalen Lloyd, I think, had eight yards on his one carry. But I would look for, you know, probably three to five of those types of plays. Maybe maybe more three than five, but I, I think there's different ways that you can incorporate the running game that don't have to be the quarterback and don't have to be yeah. Anthony Grant, but also could be unique and allow you to try to open things up. With your I agree. What I about mean, the fullback? That, well, seriously. Uh, not as much there. You don't think me. so? Uh, who? Like, which, well, first which of all, one I are thought, you going to feel good about giving the ball? I'll say this. I thought this is not being fullback fullback guy. From from what I heard in, about fall camp and even just what I saw in some of the videos, I thought Janarian Bonner would be a, a bigger contributor as well, kind of the, a Swiss Army knife in this offense. Right. It hasn't hasn't quite played out that way. Yeah, um, and some of that is leaving trip. I think has largely kind of taken the lion's share of the lead blocking duties. Yeah. there. I, I just don't know that they have anyone it. that they're just going to be giving the ball to. That that's probably uh, true. That's not. Ne- yeah, that's not even necessarily a name what to I mean. Keep but. on your radar at running back beyond Emmett Johnson and uh, Ives and Ives. Uh, Trevor Lubin had that carry yeah. at the very end yep. of the game. Highly successful high school running back. I mean, had tons of yardage. Um, and, and that run was intentional. They they wanted the guys on kick return to I, make sure that they fair caught it, they got down with the ball yeah. so that they could run that play. I thought when Matt Rule said that, that was like one of the most sort of eye-opening, like this guy all the way until the final play of the game is thinking about something with his program that he wants to get value out of. We don't get that a lot, or you don't have a coach publicly admit that a lot. I thought that was really interesting. I think you're spot on with Billy Kemp. In fact, I think he lined up at I think there was a formation or two he lined they up definitely in the that. backfield yep. before the injuries yep. even. So, but you're it goes to what I said in the first one. These guys, I think these guys have even gone into this season eyeing special packages, special, you know, a play call or two to to get someone's skill in. Well, they know. They know what they and have and what they They know what they've have. got yeah. and I think they're going to keep looking for that with this offense. 
number three. It's pretty unanimous that media and fans watching this Nebraska defense this year are impressed by a variety of things from individual performances to quarterback pressures to tackling quality to the, to the variety of players involved. The one thing that seems to be oddly missing from this effort is turnover creation. How do you explain so much working for the defense but so few turnovers being the result? Teams never fumble against Nebraska. Luck. Nebraska hasn't forced fumbles. I would sort of turn that around. You think so? Well, yeah, they haven't knocked the ball out of Man, people's hands. You, you, you think you think at some point, just the combination of more consistent quarterback pressure than you've had forever, better tackling, more people fly into the ball than you've ever had, you would think at some point that would just correlate with more turnovers. So far, it really hasn't. Yeah, I, and some of it, like, this seems kind of stupid, too. They have spent less time on the field defensively as a, you know, at times, so you don't have as many opportunities. My biggest thing right now in the secondary, they haven't had a lot of pass breakups. Like there's, you know, when the ball is in the air, it's largely gotten to the wide receiver or That's true. missed him entirely. There hasn't been that a lot of opportunities for someone to just step in. They haven't had a lot of tip passes where the ball gets knocked up and someone can run underneath of it. So you haven't had a lot of havoc situations. What you have had is just extreme competency. And in the absence of being able to get the turnover, extreme competency. Extreme competency sounds like the worst new Mountain Dew flavor ever. (laughs) Look, the thing about it, though, you're not going to be super impressed, but you're going to appreciate that it did its job. Yeah. That's is it partially because, do you think is it partially because the defense, I noticed this in some of the earlier games, that they were really trying not to get beat on the deep ball, even they, against Minnesota. They are keeping everything in front of them because yeah. their bet is that they're going to tackle and they're going to, you're ultimately not going to be able to get a first Yeah, pass. like but that's, they, yeah, that's they how they're the, not, and, well, and they're also betting that their pressure is going to get home too. And so if you do want to throw it early, you're going to take the under and then they're going to tackle you short. Right. And if you don't throw it, you're going to get sacked. I just feel well, like well, Matt Rule talked a little bit about that. That, yeah. that one of the improvements he wanted on the defense was he's for him. He said turnover creation is a confidence thing. The guys have the confidence right now that within the system they can see the guy with the ball, they can go make the play, and they can tackle him. He said the next level is having the confidence that well, you're going there for the tackle, you got to see guys punching at the ball, and they're, really they're not doing that right. No. I mean, you've seen guys That's interesting. correctly break down and tackle and all of it. But I, I can't think of a single time where they've ripped the ball loose. Yeah. And look at the end of that Minnesota game when you saw the fumble from Anthony Grant. That defense out there said, we are punching at the ball yeah, to get the it back. punch. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's, they've been so focused on fundamental I tackling. Think the, I think the takeaways are coming. Yeah. Like, I, I do. Oh. Um, but it's just right now, I'm... Perfectly content with the competency. That Extreme we're competency blast. New flavor from Mountain Dew. Available at every Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Yeah. By the way, last thought on that. At some point, I feel like they're gonna ha- they're gonna get a bunch of they're gonna get a bunch of them at one time, probably more than they need. Perhaps <laughs> when they play the uh, slate of Big Ten quarterbacks on their schedule. That sure would be nice. <laughs> Tanner Mordecai loves giving the ball. <laughs> Number two. In the snow. Yeah. Staying on the defense, Nebraska continues to roll out new players seemingly each week to get meaningful minutes to pretty good success. Do you think this kind of rotation is something that keeps up all year long or it's something that's going to tighten up as Nebraska gets well into conference play? That's... I was just going to say, that's a good question. I wrote the question. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I like that question. Good but job. I, more, let me say it a different way. I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that question. 
What do you do? You think? Do you think this tightens up a little bit? No, no. I, I think they're intentionally playing a lot of players. I think that they want to keep guys as fresh as they can. I, I think there's some, you know, non-negotiables. You're going to keep Nash Hutmacher in the middle of the yeah. defensive line for as many reps as Newsom's you can get out staying of in. Yeah. Newsome isn't coming off the yeah, field that's unless true. you that's absolutely true. have to. But for the most part, even guys like Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich, some of why it feels like they're playing better, they're getting more time on the sidelines. They're fresh when they yeah. come in. Like, you're getting all-out effort because these guys get to rotate and they don't have to be on the field for 37 snaps in a quarter, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's been somewhat helpful. And the the thing that is most impressive is that the drop-off just isn't there. Yeah. Like, they, there hasn't been this, like, wildly different, like, oh, well, right. look at that defensive front. They're not getting a stop. Right. You know, that hasn't happened yet. You and I your- think that's really important to the whole conversation. Exactly. You know, you throw, you, you've you've got you've got somebody who's more of a veteran like Robinson in, and then you throw Jamari Butler right. in, and it doesn't look all that yep. different, really, at all. What do, you, what do you think that's like for the players, Caleb? Do you think they like that? Yeah, I mean, do you think that's something that's sort of, it, 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 I, I mean, obviously, if you're somebody who you don't know if you're going to play or not, and you're getting these opportunities, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I, I think it, it, as a player, you you enjoy it. Anyone who's played on any, if you played on any like kind of AAU or club team, typically those those have got more depth that you are rotating a lot more. And a lot of these guys being high-level athletes have played on a lot of those different teams to where there has been more rotation. For them, though, those guys like it, like a Rhymer or a, a Hutmaker even in the middle, Quentin Newsom. Those guys, when it gets to winning time, are not going to be out of the game. So I think they like that you get to the end of the game, and they are fresh to make those plays that need to be made. And so the the rotation is, you're out there, you can go full bore because you know I'm not going to be out, have to be out here for 60 snaps today, and I can't give 110 percent effort every single time because I'll be dead in the third quarter. Yeah, it's got to be rejuvenating for him to know I can go all out every play and there are enough guys that there's not going to be a giant drop off if I have to come out of the game for yeah. a breather. Mike, I keep wondering as recruits are coming in and, and watching this defense too, and this will happen more, but you know, a guy like Caleb Benning who's coming in, who's a defensive guy, I'm sure he's watching that and you can put any other defensive player there who's watching that and saying, my goodness, next year I could be worked into this rotation and getting a chance to have a lot of fun being on the field for this defense. I would argue the great thing about this defense is that you can take any type of defensive player that's a recruit and it doesn't matter what his body profile yeah. is. If there's something that he can do well, there's something that he can do in this defense. That's and a great so way to describe you it. You can yeah. basically take a Caleb Benning, who I think does a lot of things really well, and you can slide him in, and he's the kind of safety that has no issue coming up into the box and laying the wood. But if you have a safety that's better at playing center field, guess what? You're playing three safeties most of the time. Yeah. So you can use one guy closer to the line of scrimmage. Another guy can help you out in the coverage on the back end. Like, it's just they, they have found a way to maximize individual skill sets, putting them in individual positions, and cohesively it has come together collectively as a defensive unit in a way that we haven't seen. Yeah, the unit kind of embraces tweeners in terms of position. It's easy to recruit to that because everyone can see an archetype of themselves in that defense and be like, well, I can be that guy. That's a great point. Number one. Well, we first saw it at the Nebraska Volleyball Day, but Huskers have added a drone show to their night game third quarter ultra-intense sensory experience. (laughs) Boy, that's really well written. So now we've got a light show, pyrotechnics, multiple songs, drone choreography. But what's still missing from this to really put it over the top? Hologram concert. Some kind of a situation. Like, we are the world artists. 
like all together singing there's no place like Nebraska on, as holograms on the field would be nice. Two two That'd quick nice. th- two quick thoughts on this. One, you got to find something to do when it's not dark out. Yeah, like like, like the next two weekends, it's not going to be dark out when you get to that thir- end of the third quarter. It doesn't hit as quarter. well at five thirty p.m. You're saying? <laughs> well, they don't they don't do it. Yeah, it's this thing. So you got to find something to do. To me, the one thing that is missing is getting a song or something that's going that has the whole crowd singing with it. Uh, that's the to me the thing that is missing to put all of this whatever quarter you're doing it putting it really over the edge because you can't sing along with Thunderstruck. They're not really trying to get people to do yeah, that, I guess. I, I think the song piece is part of the equation. I don't know how much time we have. I'm going to slightly much, change this real okay. quickly, though. What could make everything better is if you didn't have it all built up to this one game day experience at this individual point, sometimes at night games, because the rest of the game day experience has been the exact same for about 40 years. No. So maybe try to find some other ways to incorporate things that aren't, well, let's look down on the sideline and here's an old person from 1978 that we are recognizing today. <laughs> you I, better. Instead, instead carry him around in a drone above the stadium. That, that would that at least be interesting. <laughs> 7.53, that's it for your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. Come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with time saver traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, the end of the 7 o'clock hours when we take a look around the Big Ten. Um, so Nebraska's in an odd situation here with the Big Ten where I think they've, they've got maybe arguably uh, their... I don't want to. I don't want to give any bulletin board material or anything. But Louisiana Tech's the game they probably should most win or most expected to win, and the Michigan games are they're probably most expected to lose back to back. They're Ooh. proverbially the easiest and hardest games of the entire year back to back. And someone then, thinks Northwestern's better than I do. And then, <laughs> well, that's what I wanted to ask you. And then you got this chunk of teams after that. I don't really even know how to organize those games for the rest of the year. Is Iowa the next hardest game after that? Is going on the road to Illinois or Wisconsin? Like how how do you guys even okay. look at so the rest of the schedule after after uh, uh, Michigan? Three hardest games. Yes, Michigan. After that, Iowa, Iowa and Lincoln, Iowa and Lincoln, Maryland and Lincoln, both yep. in Lincoln. Caleb, all three of those agree? are home games. Yeah, I, and Michigan. I would say I agree with Iowa. I agree with Maryland. I would say Illinois sets up being tougher because you're on a short week after, Coming after Michigan. After Michigan. And it's a Friday yeah, night. Friday night I on hate. the road. But that know. Illinois team is not they the are same really, one Nebraska has played the last three years. That is not the team that they were they were setting up. They or, can't or run had, the ball. No, and I, I expected them to be able to run the ball. I also expected their defense to force more takeaways. Uh, I'm not as surprised there because without Ryan Walters, I think they've had to kind of switch. And they were a very veteran team last right. year. They, have, they should have a great defense. They, I mean, they got the best yeah. defensive lineman in the conference probably. Right. Well, maybe Nash Hutmacher is now. Just kidding. Maker. Maybe. Uh, maybe not. Um, uh, here's what's coming up this week. Wisconsin-Purdue tonight. I mean, man, Wisconsin okay. season could be pretty quickly derailed. If the, this is not a, that be nice? Definitely not a gimme for Wisconsin in, in this one. Uh, Ohio State at Notre Dame. People forget they're playing because of Deion Sanders. Uh, Maryland at Michigan State. <laughs> Maryland at Michigan State. Yikes. Rutgers at Michigan. It'll be interesting to see. Rutgers has been maybe one of the teams in the conference that's better than expected. FAU at Illinois. No Casey Thompson. And he tore his ACL. That's kind of sad. That would have been fun to watch. Akron at Indiana. Iowa at Penn State. A whiteout. 
in Penn State, and then uh, Minnesota at Northwestern. That is your slate for this conference week. All right, take a break right now. Opposition Disposition coming up after news on KLIN. If you come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. Like the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First. Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it is time to give you another keyword. The final one, the 10th pick of the week. Your last chance to get in this week for that chance to get the Alumni Hall and Valentino's prize pack by guessing something about how the game unfolds this week. The question, if you get a pick, is going to be how many rushing yards do the Nebraska quarterbacks, however many there are that play, how many net rushing yards do they have in this game? But to get the pick, you got to send us the keyword via text at 402-479-1400. That keyword today is... Huskers! Huskers. H-U-S-K-E-R-S. You don't Huskers. Have, I don't know why you're saying it like that, but yes. Huskers. There you go. Put a little emphasis. Huskers. Uh, all right. It is time. Let's get to know the competition. Do you know your foe? Well, we'll introduce you, but we can't guarantee you'll get along. It's the Friday Husker Tailgates Opposition Disposition on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIF. All right. It is time to learn about Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech. Now, when I think of Louisiana Tech, I think of... Kim Mulkey. Kim, no, I don't. Kim Mulkey. Did she go to Louisiana Tech? Did she coach at Louisiana Part Tech? Part of the Lady Texters. Okay. Louisiana. They did a, I remember they had a very good women's basketball program for a time, but I You think not, of Skip Holtz? No, I don't think of Skip Holtz. I, we should probably <laughs> stop well. guessing, I guess. I think, I for some reason, I think of Skip Holtz, I remember that he coached East Carolina. And that's you think the of Pat Summit's kid? Of, Oh, that's right. No, until until he kid? was in trouble for how he was coaching. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, well, more the relationship with the players on the team. That's how you're coaching. Basically, also... Louisiana Tech is a hotbed for random <laughs> sons and daughters of famous coaches. Well, you've also but you got... probably think of Troy Edwards. Troy, Troy Edwards in 1998, <laughs> which was a game that I watched. I think on either on. The old days of Fox Sports, when they called it Fox Sports Net, I think. Uh, when I was in college, we had to go to 
uh, to someone else. Yeah, they didn't, I don't think they called it FSN. That was still also when you also had Prime Sports. There were a lot of game on Prime Sports as well. Uh, but Troy Edwards went off. Uh, I believe was uh, Tim Rattay the quarterback. Tim Rattay. Tim Rattay was offense the coordinator of uh, Oklahoma State. Played in the NFL a little bit. I think for the 49ers. 49ers. Yeah, you're correct. Troy Edwards. I think was on the Steelers for correct. for a bit. You're nailing um, these things. I'm, na- I'm looking. I don't even have the, this written down. This is all off memory of early 2000s NFL. Everyone here. remembers Troy Edwards. Uh, but he broke at the time the NCAA <laughs> receiving record against Nebraska in a game that Nebraska won surprisingly handily for that having that record broken against them at Memorial Stadium. So that's the biggest thing that I remember about Louisiana Tech football. The other thing I remember about Louisiana Tech football is they had that famous play. You need to go on YouTube and watch it where they had like uh, second and goal <laughs> and somehow they ended up going back all the way to like their own three-yard line. That was a Thursday night game or something? Yeah. It I was feel like a- there's some random, like it was one of the few games on. I remember watching as it happened. And you watched like, it live? I Yeah, I think it was like I was at a bar. It was on a TV just- and I was like, Weren't they just, and then they show the replay, and the ball is just skidding. They basically had a 90-yard lot of fumble going backwards on a fumble, and it was one of the most hilarious things. I think it had been raining. Like, it was just a mess. Well, it might be raining this time, too, so who knows? We could have that coming once again. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more off the field about Louisiana Tech in a second, but let's talk about them on the field. Louisiana Tech schedule so far this year. It's been uh, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for Louisiana Tech when you go through the schedule this year. They actually beat in week one. They beat Florida International. Florida International has not lost a game since they beat them. Since Louisiana Tech beat them in week zero, uh, they beat them twenty two to seventeen in Ruston. That actually is a pretty good win. They then played SMU uh, in week two, lost that one thirty eight to fourteen. Then took on Northwestern State. Uh, which is an FCS team. They won that one, 51 to 21. And then they were at home against North Texas and they fell to, uh, to the screaming green eagles or whatever they are. I thought they were just the mean green. Whatever. 40 to 37. They lost to North Texas. So they are now like in the longest yard. Two and two in the year. I know what that was about. Two and two in the year. Um, there and, it just in terms of in terms of what they've done this year, they're gonna their their head coach is a, the former Texas Tech quarterback, uh, and now my, I'm having a brain fart on his name. Uh, Louisiana Tech's coach is a former Texas Tech quarterback who took Nebraska out in 2004 in that 70 to 10 game that I would very much like to Sonny forget. Yeah, Sonny that's Cumbie. who I had in my head, but I wasn't the, sure. Thank you. Yeah, Sonny Cumbie was a quarterback for Texas Tech in 2004 in one of the darkest days of Nebraska football history when they lost to Texas Tech 70 to 10. And he brings a little bit of that Mike Leach offense type situation to Louisiana Tech. They're going to pass it a lot. They're going to spread it out a whole lot with, with that whole thing. Um, the player that maybe you want to watch for them, his name is Smoke Harris, which is the coolest name ever. Uh, he is a five-seven wide receiver, and he has been there. He's been there since 2018, so he's one of these guys who uh, had a COVID year and has just been there for a long time. Um, and he's he's kind of a favorite down there, so he's somebody that you're going to see a lot of. And he's got some great highlights if you go and take a look at what he's done. Uh, and then you take a look at the rest of the numbers there for Louis. 
Louisiana Tech. Their top rusher so far this year has been a freshman. That's Keith Willis Jr. Uh, he's been the top rusher so far, uh, but they have also been giving the ball to Tyree Shelton. He had 149 uh, as well. yards last. He had 149 last last week. So they're, they're uh, both of those guys. Uh, then they've got a a third running back as well, Charvis Thornton, that they've been giving the ball to a lot as well. So it kind of gives you a little bit of an idea here on what you've what you've got in terms of uh, the quarterback situation at Louisiana Tech this year. Their main guy has been Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, got two picks this year, 70 for a 106, uh, five touchdowns so far during the year to two interceptions. Um, so throwing the ball a lot, that's already, you know, you got a pretty big number all there at 106 already. Started all four games for them and they will. They'll, they'll, they'll throw the ball a lot. It'll be, It'll be an interesting sort of, it'll be a, a bit of a different matchup, I guess, maybe somewhat comparable in a very broad sense to the matchup against Colorado in terms of what they're going to do and that they're going to move quickly. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, and that, you know, their, their defense has given up some points this year. So I don't know what you guys expect. It's a very different matchup than Northern Illinois was yeah. in a lot of ways. Some, some extra context here. Jack Turner was actually the quarterback that uh, led them in their comeback against North Texas, they got it tied up at 37 before giving up a field goal right at the end of the game to lose. It's unclear to me if that was an injury for Hank Bachmeyer or yeah. if it just magically occurred right after the third time that they had a drive end in downs. Uh, so there could be a quarterback situation to watch there. Hank Bachmeyer, for, for longtime listeners of the, the Husker tailgate, it's, it's worth pointing this out. It's quite possible that he worked individually with Jeff from Boise because he is a Boise State transfer. Really? And uh, he's another guy that's been in the body in built by world. Jeff, man. Yeah, and you do you have to be a long. So time. I, I wanted. I was, I knew you wouldn't have looked up that Hank Bachmeyer went to Boise that's State. That's exciting. <laughs> so I, did I not wanted know to that. to drop that on you during the show. Um, the interesting thing about this team, like, yes, they have thrown quite a bit. They've also had success running the football against North Texas but not passing. Like they're a very weird offense from week to week. Things have not worked how they have wanted sometimes. Okay. Um and if Nebraska does its job defensively, they could make life very hard for a team that wants to go fast and if they go three and out quickly, a defense that really hasn't stopped anyone that much. Yeah. Uh, is going to be on the field a lot. Yeah. Uh scoring defense 55th in the uh, in the nation. Oh no, I got the wrong one there. I'm looking at still have it on uh, Northern Illinois. Uh, switch it over. My my link didn't work here. If you go to Louisiana Tech and you take a look at some of their statistical rankings here, uh, in terms of uh, rushing defense right now, they are at 116th in the nation. Just to give you a little bit. What of does a, that tell you? Nebraska's going to want to do. North yeah. Texas ran the ball for like nearly 300 yards. That's so. that's one that pops out to me. Uh, right away. And then the other stat that pops out to me right away in terms of the matchup, tackles for loss allowed. They are 120, 121st out of 130 in terms of the amount of tackles for loss that they have allowed on, uh, on this season, season so far. So, um, that said, they've intercepted, uh, they're doing, they're sixth in the nation and in passes intercepted. Um, that, well, that's having been intercepted uh, for them. Uh, passing yards allowed, though they're 11th. So their defensive, pa- their their pass defense has not been because as susceptible as their rush defense. The and so, I think the, the combination, guys, of those numbers, Nebraska's situation on offense, and the potential of it raining yep. <laughs> on—I mean, I think we have got a recipe for. 
uh, run the ultimate ball. run the ball game <laughs> yeah. for Nebraska. Well, and, and we heard from the coaching staff this week as they talked about Louisiana Tech is that especially on third downs, they like to bring pressure. And those are the places that if you are in a third and long and there's pressure coming, that's how you, you get some of those interceptions. And that's a place that out of all of the places they haven't exactly done well, that is one place they have. And that's also been a place that Nebraska hasn't played well. Mm-hmm. So even if on a third and long, maybe not a bad idea to to run it with somebody in some way. God, yeah. I mean, man, you look at these stats where Louisiana Tech has specifically struggled. The two things that they have struggled at, stopping the run on offense and keeping their quarterback upright yeah. and their running backs upright in the backfield. As I said, 100, um, 121st in tackles for loss allowed, 114th in sacks allowed. So, I mean... The the formula is there for Nebraska if they want to exploit where there appear to have been weaknesses. Now, now the other thing on that is, uh, is Louisiana Tech going to be able... You talked a little bit about the there haven't been a lot of pass breakups. Sometimes, you know, in Colorado, they were able to find some weaknesses in the coverage as well. That's probably the best chance that Louisiana Tech has to hurt Nebraska. Yeah, and even last week against Northern Illinois, where Nebraska had a uh, Herculean effort in terms of yards allowed, I mean, there was drops, there was opportunities for Northern Illinois to keep the ball, move it, uh, at least get a first down. And so, you know, it's it's not going to be perfect for Nebraska on Saturday, and they're going to have to play better coverage, just like they've needed to all year long. I mean, it's it, the one kind of bugaboo for this defense, to me, from the outside looking in, they're soft on the coverage and teams that run those quick routes. And especially if you go up tempo, like they could move the ball a little bit early in the game. I think adjustments will happen. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they move the ball early and then struggle for long duration. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana Tech, Jacob Barnes, their kicker, is ranked uh, eighth overall in field goals per game, too. So, wow. Makes a lot of field goals. They've also played one extra game relative to everybody. That's, that's, uh, that's true. Although, this is per game, so it doesn't really matter because uh, it averages the whole thing out. Now, yeah, good for him. Let's talk about Louisiana Tech off the field. Good for Japan. <laughs> Uh yes. Uh the the legend of the uh the legend of the bulldog. Now, we've gone through guys lots of times and I've kind of even backed off going and telling you the history of the mascots because they're all the same. It was like, you know, some writer Newspaper in, in the 1920s called them Shorty ah, McGee. Oh, the old fighting gophers of Minnesota and then it stuck with them. And everything's kind of a letdown post Fordham. Not this one. Yeah, post Fordham. What was that? They well, because Fordham well, because they had they, executed mascots. Yeah, There's, you know, just so we were getting, yeah, yes. they were getting stolen by Rams rival were just teams, dying by the. We, they were attacking bushel. the subways. Oh yeah, the, the trains. Right. The we, train they, car. One died <laughs> of alcoholism. <laughs> Fordham's, you're right. Nothing will beat Fordham's with their they history. Li- lined they, like, up in front of the like rifle Blackjack team or something, right? Ramses, yeah. right? Yes, we've had all of those. <laughs> then we come to Louisiana Tech's story of being named the Bulldogs, which you just think, oh, everybody was always named Bulldog. You know, there's a lot of Bulldogs. They probably just no. There's a story behind it, and it's weirdly sad. So, oh, no. so gather, gather around the radio and get your kerchief ready for this one. The legend of the Louisiana Tech Bulldog dates back to fall of 1899. And the story involved five tech students on their way home from class. They reach the edge of campus, and they notice a quiet old bulldog sitting alone under a tree. They assumed it was a stray, so they fed him all the food they had with them and continued on their way. Well, 
When the young men got to the boarding house where they were living, they discovered that the bulldog had followed them. And a dog follows you home. You're like, can you keep him? Of course, they all liked the bulldog and decided not to send him away. So they got permission from the owner of the house to let him stay in the kitchen for the night, even though they knew they were going to have to make other plans for him the next day. But during that night, a fire broke out in the house and the bulldog was the first to be awakened. The old dog became alarmed and ran from room to room, tugging at the sheets of the bed to wake the students and the owner. Once the owner noticed and the students assembled outside, they were horrified to discover that one boy was still in the house. By the house, by this time, the house was almost completely full of smoke. Before the boys had time to react, they saw the bulldog run back into the burning house, and moments later, the final student ran out to safety. They all waited for the bulldog to come out of the house. But I think you know what happened. He never did. By dawn, the fire was out, and the boys searched what remained of the house in hopes of finding the old bulldog alive. After a short time, they found the old dog lying in an unburned corner of the house. The smoke and heat had been too much. The heroic dog just did not make it. With tears in their eyes... The young men picked up the lifeless body without saying a word, began to walk back to campus. When they reached the tree where they had met the bulldog only the day before, they began to dig a grave. Not wanting the bulldog to lie uncovered, two of the students took off their jackets and wrapped the bulldog. One was red and the other blue. And that news of the stray old bulldog spread across the tech campus. Everyone grieved and felt a closeness to that bulldog most of them had never even met. He had become the first Louisiana Tech hero. And a year after the death of the Bulldog, Tech began making plans to start its first football team. They needed a mascot. And so the students said, we got to pay tribute to the life-saving Bulldog who gave his life for the dudes in the boarding house. So that's how it happened. I'll say that. That is a solid way to... like. They, they, sad, yes. Good but, dog. But yeah, good, good dog. Good, yeah. Absolutely make that your mascot. There you go. 100% that's an incredible... Absolutely incredible origin story. So much so that I don't believe nope, any of it. Stop it. Hey, you Let, stop it. This is on the. I, so I got that from the Louisiana Tech website, their official.edu website. I didn't read the last paragraph. Today, no one is sure where the old bulldog is buried or the names of the young men who saved it. However, one thing is certain the spirit of that dog is very much still alive and the love and loyalty it displayed has been a trademark of tech people for many generations. I love how they Mike throw thinks- in the paragraph none of this may have actually happened. <laughs> None of these people. A little too perfect in every facet, but sure. I'm sure this is exactly what happened. And I also know that young men would have a red and a blue jacket of which they would bury the bulldog under a tree that no one knows where it was or how it existed. Listen to seriously the last sentence on this page. I'm not kidding. I'm reading this verbatim. Questions about the events long ago will always exist, but but be assured that somewhere on the tech campus are the remains of a brave old bulldog wrapped in red and blue. This sounds like one guy. One guy. One singular guy sentence. said, I really want the the mascot to be a bulldog, and I'm going to make up this story. <laughs> now, I, I was going to get mad at Mike, but now I'm 100% on your side. I don't know how you weren't on my side before we even heard Because it tugged at my heartstrings, okay? The Louisiana That's Tech, the whole point of the story. The Louisiana Tech I wanted to believe. community has obviously faced a lot of questions about the truth of this story, <laughs> given the way that this has been written. I mean, I, they're, they're basically anticipating the arguments before they even come on the campus's PR website here at this point. So, Do you think that uh, at some point a Nebraska player will score and then turn and start <laughs> screaming, Show us the Bulldog! <laughs> You're all liars!
Or maybe they're just going to start, what? you know, their celebration. Oh, it's, it's going to be a gigging. Oh, you know, or what? when they throw the oh. bones, it's the bones oh, of an unreal bulldog. Make, you know it, make it happen, Fedoni. Yeah, you know what? No, I, I am. I didn't like Fedoni shushing the crowd or shushing whomever he was. Now it doesn't sound nearly as bad. <laughs> now that you guys are bringing this uh, very distasteful. Thing, How do we uh, think Smoke Harris got his name? <laughs> wow. All right, it's 827. We'll take a break. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he's buried there somewhere in Ruston. I'm uh, sure. I'm that's sure. It. It's 827. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. which is near average for this time of year. Winds will be between 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts to 25 miles per hour. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Melissa Meter. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. 63 degrees in the capital city. Mostly cloudy skies, no rain yet, but we'll see if we've got some coming either today or during the game tomorrow. Pack those ponchos. And joining the roundtable now, sports director over there at 1011 KOLNKGIN, it's Mr. Kevin Suits. Kevin, welcome in. Good morning. Glad to have you back with us. Don't ask me about the weather. Yeah, I know. Are you, are you, uh, yeah, you got people in-house with you that should be able to answer those questions, right? Yeah, and the answer that I'm getting right now, because I've asked all week, you know, what's Saturday look like is Let's see what happens on Friday. Yeah. There are high school football games that have moved times because of the threat of thunderstorms this evening. Yeah. And they said they really need to see what happens Friday and how much this storm cell develops across Nebraska to know the impact it's going to have on Saturday. Really? So, and there were some games that actually were supposed to be played yesterday across right. the state that moved to today. And now they have the possibility of still dealing with more storms. There could be high school football on Saturday. You know, really? The, the, the games that... Huh opt to not move times if they don't get them in tonight because of lightning delays or any other you know conditions that happen to hit this evening there might be high school football saturday morning that's not uncommon there have been a few saturdays i've covered high school football in the morning and then nebraska either in the afternoon or evening <laughs> well, all right it, that'd be interesting and and who knows what they've got to dodge tomorrow too then same thing a little bit i was at um, man, I was doing a game uh, yesterday, last night. I was at the East game, uh, and they were playing against Columbus, and had a little bit of rain there. And it kept. I kept thinking, "Oh man, it's gonna, it's gonna get here. It's gonna stop things." And it never did. But I think it got really close yesterday as well. So we'll see what that means for the game. But let's get to what's happening on the field, not in the skies. Kevin, I'm kind of curious. I'm sure when you've had people stop you. Despite the fact that Nebraska's got uh, got a win under their belt and got a defense here that's doing really well, it's hard, and it's hard to blame anyone, but the conversation is about the quarterbacks, and it's going to continue to be about the quarterbacks here for a little while. Curious, first of all, about your thoughts on Heinrich Harburg and his performance against Northern Illinois. He did great. Protected the football. I mean, there was one instance in which he didn't, but you could put a lot of the blame on the offensive line, but overall, I think that was the number one goal for him to come in for his first career start, and a lot of fans hadn't seen him play before uh, outside of you know some fourth quarter time against Colorado, but overall, I think the fan base was pretty impressed with the way that he just ran the offense, took care of the football, and it's amazing what happens when you don't turn it over. Right, yeah, and and did have the one turnover, but it was... Um, it, it, 
it kind of felt, and, and this is kind of going to be what you're t- talking about going forward with turnovers. I think with both of these guys is is how culpable is the is the quarterback when it comes to the turnover because it, it, you're now got these two guys, Kevin, between each other, and you're you're thinking about what the next step is going to be here with them, and. A lot of it has to do with which one you feel like isn't going to turn the ball over, but you kind of don't know that until it happens to some degree. And so that's what makes this diff- this kind of a difficult decision here. Yeah, but the offense, I don't think it changes a whole lot, given the quarterback that's in the game. Yeah, And given what happened with the running back situation, is it so far to say that maybe they move Sims around instead of Harburg? Yeah. I mean, he he's a physical runner. I wouldn't be surprised, because this is a staff that has already shown that they're willing to think outside the box. I mean, Heinrich Harburg's first action of the season was catching a pass and turning up field. Mm -hmm. So maybe they put Jeff Sims in the slot and they run a jet sweep with him, or they line him up behind Heinrich. Like I think all cards are on the table, not to mention there's going to maybe be some gamesmanship with this game on Saturday. Because Michigan's watching. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Rule strikes strikes me as a guy that, you know, he's not going to hold the cards completely to the the vest. Instead, he'll throw some, like, jokers out there and say, Mm. ha-ha, you're going to have to, you know, think about what if we do this or that. Yeah. I could see him doing it. I I, want to know what you you guys all think now. And and I don't... I I think we all generally know what the answer to this question is, but I'd be curious to see how you would describe it, but... We were just talking about the Big Ten and how the, the the rest of the schedule after Michigan, you maybe have your 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 most winnable competition against Louisiana Tech and your most difficult competition against Michigan back to back. And then after that, the rest of the season is kind of a mush in terms of it's hard to tell who a lot of these teams are and their you know their Big Ten games. How how would you describe Caleb? I'll start with you. Like how would you game plan now? with what you know about this offense, the quarterback situation, the defense, and the opponents right now going forward. And is that going to look largely similar throughout the rest of the season, do you think? I don't think it'll look entirely similar depending on the game, especially that defensively you're probably going to play Wisconsin differently than you're going to play Iowa, and that wouldn't have always been the case in years past just because even though Wisconsin still runs the ball better than they throw it, it's the things that they want to do. Uh, You're still going to try to to stop the run. I think offensively in a game like tomorrow, there are guys that are going to get touches offensively that you want to get them run, but when it gets to winning time in, in one of these games, they might not be out there. It might not be Emmett Johnson and Quentin Ives. It might be exclusively Anthony Grant or some joker that gets thrown out there that they might be able to utilize both Heinrich Harburg and Jeff Sims. I don't think you're going to have a two-quarterback system going forward, but I, if if he's healthy, you're probably going to see both quarterbacks play. So I think where you're at right now is trying to see who's even available, what kind of touches and reps you can get into guys. And you're still going to be shuffling a lot of guys in and out on defense to see how fresh you can keep some guys and how many guys can go out there and perform so that you know when you do get into the Big Ten play that they can go be someone you can count on. Yeah. How yeah. quickly is uh, throwing the Joker going to be part of the uh, tailgate show lexicon? The lexicon? <laughs> it's immediately in there. I can, I'm already envisioning like sending a tweet at some point <laughs> to the three of you during the game on Saturday. <laughs> like, oh, you played the Joker card! Throwing the Joker. Yeah. Throwing the Joker. 
Mike, if uh, you know if that kind of if this strategy that I think everybody kind of understands is what's going to be necessary, obviously special teams. Man, you cannot. I don't think you can understate the importance of special teams going forward at this point. Where do we feel like Nebraska is in that, and can they win with with their special teams? You know, what's wild is like Tristan Alvano has only attempted two field goals, right? Um, so they had one and doinked on the other one, right? You don't yeah. really have a great sample size to kind of work off of there, which I guess sort of means two things: either they're scoring touchdowns, which they did against uh, Northern Illinois, or they're not finishing drives, which they've done in the other previous mm-hmm. two games. So, from that aspect, we have questions still about what the the kicking game might look like, but. Other than sort of the weirdness surrounding whatever happened in Colorado for Brian Buscini, he's been pretty consistent. Obviously, Phelan Sanford and, and the defense or the special teams effort, like those coverage unit guides have been great. The, uh, you know, the, the stuff you're getting there has been really good. I feel like we're sort of at the point where if you were ranking things, everyone feels very confident in the defense right now at this point, pretty confident in special teams. And then no idea what to expect with the offense. Mm-hmm. And so I, at least at this point, you have two of the three phases. And it's kind of like I had mentioned earlier, you had that one sequence during the game. You had the great punt and the, the ball down inside the, the three yard line. You had an immediate, you know, stop by the defense. You got the ball back. Like if they can play that kind of complimentary football and continue to sort of build upon that, they're going to give themselves chances throughout the rest of their schedule. Yeah. But can they get a punt return? I mean, no. when, when was the last good punt return oh, for, we've seen from Nebraska? DeMornay Pearson was Pearsonell last gets... playing in uh, uh, let's see, the Iowa. That was yeah. a 2014 game, right? Yeah. Uh, he probably had some after that, too. He had a good one against Brunch Oregon. is still just dumbfounded that Kirk <laughs> Ferentz punted to him. <laughs> this comes up once a year, every time, and it's great. Yeah, that's it's an interesting question that you asked that, Kevin, because do we know, like, I don't know. Mike is right. There haven't been a lot of field goal. You've had some things that have went well, a couple things that haven't gone well. I'm still not sure that I know where Nebraska is on that spectrum of special teams. The only thing I I feel like I do know is they're going to have to be they're going to have to be very good on it to to win in this kind of style that they're going to have to. And Nebraska has a good punt returner in Billy Sims, you know, or Billy Kim, Billy, yeah, Billy Sims would be yeah. even better. Yeah, though. that would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, man, then they they wouldn't have these issues on the punt return game. But right now, like Kemp's a good returner. It's just like. When he fields the ball, there is no place to run. And on the topic of special teams, I feel like a couple games in, you have a better sense of uh, Tony White and how good of a coordinator he is. And there's some chatter about Marcus Satterfield. The jury is still out on how he is as a play caller. But Ed Foley, I feel like, has been totally lost in all the Husker conversation. Like, his Which units, is kind of what you want with special I, teams. I think you're right. You yeah. really would, if you're talking about it, it needs to be, and you blocked a punt kind of like, your Virginia Tech of the Frank Beamer era, like you're that good, or you just don't ever really want to hear about it because that means you're very, very competent. I think people here would love to hear from him after, you know, a block punt that's scored yeah. on mm-hmm. or a big return and your guys are doing great things. But right now, you're right. They're probably right in that gray space. Yep. They're not doing anything to cost you games and they're not doing anything outstanding to win you games. Uh, the coverage units have been so good, though. That's like their true. Field that position is... relative to what we've come to expect. Nebraska Which is kicks the it biggest... off, and the other team yeah. starts at the thirty-two. Like they are, especially off of kickoff, have done a tremendous job this year with that. And punt return, I think, has been limited too. Um, though punts, just in general in college football, I feel like you just don't get returns really anywhere. By the way, I, I looked it up based on an article I wrote in 2021. In 2019, J.D. Spielman had a 76-yard return against South Alabama. Ah, uh, we all remember where we were. 
And then he housed one the, the, uh, the game they barely beat South Alabama. Housed one the year before, seventy-seven yards against Bethune Cookman. Ah, yes, the replacement game for Akron. <laughs> Hopefully, they won't need a replacement game this year. Everything is always so weird. <laughs> for, around here. For, it, it really is. But uh, Mike, to your point, though, you're right. When we talk about winning on special teams, sure, those dramatic block kick plays, making field goals, punt returns for touchdowns are huge. But I mean. Probably the things that are going to really butter the bread on how we evaluate special teams at the end of the year and how it impacted the success in the Big Ten is going to be like net punting, right? The, yep. the things that you're talking about. Butter the bread is a phrase I need to work into yeah. my own speech pattern more. <laughs> the, I'm going to have to, to try to steal that from you. Because there was, well, what was it? Wasn't it on, wasn't it in this this uh, Northern Illinois game? I'm trying to figure out the exact drive. But Nebraska um, was deep in their own territory. I think went about halfway, got about halfway down, had to put That was when they pinned them with failing yeah. Sanford. Yep. That was, I mean, that's that's the type of turn of events. Big Ten West type of play that's that a, has eluded that Nebraska. That is a very Big Ten <laughs> West type of a situation that Nebraska feels like they're always on the other yep. end of uh, during, during the year. Kevin, I'm curious, a conversation we had earlier, and I want you to weigh in on it, is th- th- there's not a, lots of, not a lot of complaints about the defense right now. Um, they've been really good at, at getting pressure, been really good at tackling. Um, you know, they've given up some yards passing, but l- by and large, they've been, I think, um, even better than people expected. The one thing I think people are bringing up is why do they not have more turnovers than they do? And they did get an interception with Javen Wright this week, but they haven't been huge creators of turnovers so far. Is that a matter? Do you see that as a matter of kind of just happenstance and eventually that's going to start to come? Or do you think that's going to have to be something that's more intentionally created? I just think it's a happenstance kind of situation. What? Uh, Schaefer, what's the three-letter acronym that they have? It's something about violent pull. Do you remember? Like they've said it during camp, um, and it's it's basically to try to rip the ball out, and they've made that an emphasis all through camp. I'm sorry, I don't remember it, That's but right. yeah. but they have like a phrase, and it's all about creating turnovers. So it's not like it hasn't been emphasized. They want to get the football. It just hasn't happened. I think Saturday. The DBs might have a field day because LaTeX is going to throw the football. And I, I think we might see Quentin Newsom's first career interception. I mean, you talk about happenstance. It's not that Quentin's not a good ball player. It's just he hasn't had a chance to intercept. He doesn't have a pick yet. Right. That's kind of like DiCaprio co- Boodle went yeah. forever without getting In more his too. career, that is crazy. Wow. Uh, yeah. He's a he's an all-Big Ten caliber corner. He is, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, maybe yeah. Louisiana Tech's going to test him a little bit. And I'm guessing that... Q is going to be matched up with Smoke Harris, yeah. and that's going to be the matchup to watch. He enough. wants the smoke, is that what he, you're saying? He <laughs> wants all the smoke, Mike. Yeah, Smoke Harris, by the way, we were talking about him earlier in the game. Uh, 5'7", 183, um, but he's uh, he's he's one of their best playmakers, probably their best playmaker here, uh, and a senior at Louisiana Tech, and he's going to be one. Number six, look for him on the field. Yeah, uh, he, he's a 60-year guy, too. Yeah. And Sonny Cumbie said in his news conference this week, he just sang all the praises of Smoke Harris. He's He's the lunch pail guy that brings it in practice every single day. He could have tried to go to the NFL or try to pursue a professional career in Canadian Football League, which I think might be the right path for him. Just his style really fits, you know, the CFL and the way that they uh, put guys in motion before the snap and run up the field. Uh, but I, I think that he's a good player. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good of a player he would be in the Big Ten, um, but I'm curious to see what yeah. he, he's a small guy, but he's a productive guy. 
One thing we haven't really talked about on the show yet and really has gotten buried by the quarterback and defensive talk, which is kind of unique here, is the offensive line. I'm curious, uh, Mike, I'll start with you, but anybody chime in. Like, how are we evaluating? What do we think we know about this offensive line now? Because it's been weirdly not discussed a whole yeah, lot, it, it feels like. Kind of like the uh, the special teams thing that I just said. Like The fact that we're not talking about the offensive line is more of an indication that they're at least playing to acceptable levels. Probably short of good. Uh, at this point, there's still plenty of things for them to to get better at, but it has felt like, at the very least, they are getting in the way of defensive linemen um, in a positive manner. That uh, was not happening last year in the run game. And then the passing game, I still have a lot of questions as to how good their tackles are in terms of pass protection. You're going to get into the Big Ten schedule, and that is a, a concern. Yeah. But for what they are right now, they're at least fine, and... We'll see, you know, what the status of a Teddy Prohaska or something like that is as we get into Big Ten play. I feel like the O line has moments where they look really good, mm-hmm. and then there are some moments that doesn't look very good. I think the more they get them on the move, like the option type stuff, like when they don't have to straight up just try to overpower someone and push them back five yards or hold up on the pass pass protection. block. Yeah, that's that's, that's where I've that's seen a, it. Yeah. the slipperiest worst part. But to your point. When they do the quarterback run game, when you have some of those linemen get out and pull in front of uh, the quarterbacks or in front of the running backs, that is when I feel like they're at their best. They they do have a fairly athletic offensive line, like Newelli's athletic, Piper's athletic, Ben Scott's athletic. We saw Piper and I think Ben Scott bury a couple guys last week for Northern Illinois. They can go out and do that. The issues seem to largely be in the pass protection with the tackles, probably more than anything else. I would agree. You know, the Minnesota game, there were there were a few moments where I was like, you know what, they're doing a nice job getting a good push up front, and they're moving the football. But then you look in, like, what was it, third or fourth quarter, they had a stretch where, like, everything broke down, and they yep. went in the wrong direction. So it kind of overshadowed the overall production of the offensive line. And, Mike, to your point about, like, the athleticism of the offensive line, I totally agree with you, but I wonder if this coaching staff is still maybe a little bit hesitant to put them out in space because one of their biggest criticisms when they inherited this team was the way the offensive linemen moved. Mm -hmm. They were a little bit skeptical about the way their bodies had been built and their ability to move in space. So maybe they still have a a little bit of that in their minds where they they try to keep it in moderation for how much that they had their guys. You know, what's wrong with just letting a couple of guys pull and try to blow somebody out of the play and hopefully have a big hole for, well, who now would be Anthony Grant? (laughs) Anthony Grant, yeah. Yeah, Anthony Grant's going to be a busy guy here, won't he? I mean, after after this whole thing, um, without a doubt. Yeah, I just thought as you were talking about, you guys were talking about that pass protection thing, there are so many things that mitigate not dropping back and passing the ball much at all for the rest of the season. I mean, think about all of the reasons why. It, because you don't who have the throwing to, you don't have the receivers, it, who's, who's protecting blocked. you, and who's who's yeah. All every all three phases are and <laughs> and right and probably the biggest strength of a lot of the teams, like for Illinois, for instance, is that defensive line. Michigan, the defensive line mm-hmm. that you're going to be going yeah. against, which have going to have really good pass rushers, like. I I mean I feel like we're going to be start looking and looking at the numbers like uh, Chuck Mazursky Southeast teams of 1992 when there were two pass attempts during the entire game. 
Might Very not quite specific be there. reference that nobody Man, in the Mazursky, room is. Mazursky loved not to ever pass the ball for Lincoln. That's even before Kevin was covering high school sports here <laughs> in Lincoln, which really means it's a long It sounds time ago, like so. Jim Weeks basketball. Jim right Weeks basketball. Yeah, there we go. There, like, you there. know exactly there what you're going to get. You're not going to be entertained, it's the... but it's going to be effective. <laughs> they ought to bring him in you as a. You are not going to be entertained, is right. I you love... know, Shot Clock is coming to Class C and D basketball. <laughs> yes. Know, Jim Weeks might be nearing retirement. Rule on No, he's just going to use all of it. Just go to another level down, right? Oh, I guess. Rule ought to bring him in as a special consultant for the offense. (laughs) (laughs) He's always talking about all the people. He's always dropping names of the people he's talking at a practice. One of these next week on Monday, you're going to be like, so yeah, I had Jim Weeks in here the other day talking about running out the clock. (laughs) (laughs) He helped the quarterbacks just watch the play clock for an hour. 40 points for both of those offenses seemed like a stretch, so I get it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Coach Weeks is a great guy, too. Uh, I had a chance to. My son had a chance to meet him a couple of summers ago. So very cool. I'd love uh, love for him to be involved in this whole thing. All right, we're going to take a break. Let's see if Kevin is still. <laughs> I say that like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. <laughs> there was real earnest in your voice. I, really, I look forward to he this. He is a great. I look though. forward to this alliance. Yes. I love Jim. All right, let's see if Kevin is still running away with this stupid pick'em game. We do. We'll check uh, check on that coming up next on KLIN. which is near average for this time of year. Winds will be between 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts to 25 miles per hour. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Melissa Meter. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's update the standings, and sure enough, the newcomer, Kevin Suits, still in first place. I like it. Uh, yeah, the, the, he comes in, and he uh, takes takes the lead, holds the lead here this week. Although nobody did really particularly impressively last week. We uh, all picked the same game. That's true. I guess that's a good point. Not much can change if we all pick the same games. For instance, Kevin, Caleb, and myself got points for the exact same things. North Carolina beating Minnesota, uh, LSU winning against Mississippi State, and Nebraska winning. And so, yeah, not not a lot there. Mike got an extra point, though, because he got the Wyoming cover. Uh, against Texas, which mm-hmm. looked like it could be really interesting at the end. Yeah. Also got an extra point for the closest score for the Nebraska game. So Hello, 11. That but leaves... he did pick Minnesota. But he picked yeah, Minnesota sorry for be being the one guy to go against the grain. That's so Kevin point. has 12, Caleb has 11, Mike has 10, I have 8 right now. So let's go through the games this week. Guys, we've got Big Ten football on a Friday night. And we also have that with Nebraska in a couple of weeks. But tonight we've got Big Ten football on a Friday night. So we've got Wisconsin at Purdue. We will go in order of score. So it'll go Kevin, Caleb, Mike, and then me last. Kevin, we've kind of f- just set that order in stone, haven't we? It's going to change. Kevin, you're first. Who you got? Purdue, I, Wisconsin. I love Ryan Walters, but I can't pick him yet. Not I'm going to go Wisconsin. Yeah, you got to miss that guy. They're going to miss that guy over in Illinois. Right oh my now, god, he's they? he's a great coach, Holy young cow. guy, full of energy. Yeah, he's got a bright future. I just don't see it quite yet. I, I go Wisconsin. Yeah, right. Purdue's not there yet. I'll go Badgers. I am also going to go Wisconsin. <laughs> I'll take Purdue. Hey, look yeah. at that look bold, at that. shocking pick by me. <laughs> All right. by my lonesome. <laughs> All right, next game, Caleb. Uh, BYU at Kansas. Oh, excuse me, Kevin. BYU at Kansas. Yeah. I I can't keep those. I'll, I'll take straight. Kansas. You're going to take Kansas. All For right. no Jayhawks. reason. Rock chalk. 
All right. Give me BYU because Ooh. I was the guy that kept talking about uh, Kalani Sataki. Yeah. Last year. They went in. And, and then they beat up Dave Aranda and then did nothing after that. They also went in and beat Arkansas, too, didn't they? Uh, that said, I'm going to take Kansas because uh, Daniels is a really good quarterback. He's fun to watch. So I'm going to take Kansas. Oregon State at Washington State, the Pac 2 championship. <laughs> you like, well, you just mentioned good quarterbacks. DJ Uyungale is yep. now at Oregon State. He's pretty solid. People remember him from back when he was at Clemson. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Oregon State. Give me the home team, Washington State here. Kevin, you can keep your DJ. I'm taking Cam Ward. He's the best quarterback in that game. Washington Ooh. State. I'm going Washington State because of the uh, the home field. I think it'll be a really good game. Both these teams are probably it's better. Weirdly, than an exciting realize. game that yeah. I've never watched these two teams play <laughs> Both ever right. in my life. Both of those. Yeah, yeah. Both of them will probably beat Colorado. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says. Wishing, uh, hoping, tr- very dreaming. true, very true. Uh, all right, helmet game at night. Ohio State at Notre Dame. I'm really curious where you guys are going on this one. Who you got, Kevin? Absolutely love this game. I'm going with Notre Dame. I think they're pretty good. Some of the additions they made from the transfer portal might be a big statement Sam, for that young coach, Sam Hartman. Right, I really you thought you were going to go Ohio State, so I, I kind of flipped a coin. I'm going Irish here too because that's that's the pick I submitted. Hey, I don't care what you guys do. I'm going Irish. Sam Hartman. Well, look at me picking the plucky underdog that never gets any love, Ohio State. I think those guys are going to be motivated for this game because nobody believes in them, and so I'll take Ohio State for this one. Upset of the week. Got to be a touchdown or more underdog. Kevin, you start. Who do you have? Don't run me out of the room for this. Iowa is getting 15 points at Penn State. I, I don't think I was going to win, though I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But if you give me 15 points, I'm going to take Iowa, at least on the cover. <laughs> all right. All right. I picked Kansas in the head-to-head, but BYU is getting nine and a half. Really? I'll they take, are? I'll take BYU with that one. I didn't even realize that. I probably shouldn't have put that one head-to-head then, should I have? Yeah. I am. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a an upset waiting to happen here. Future Michigan State coach Pat Narduzzi. Getting seven and a half against Mac Brown's oh. North Carolina. Oh. Give me Pitt. I had that one. That was the last one I cut from my list. You mentioned Michigan State. I am actually going to take Michigan State. They've got Maryland coming in. I know there's no reason at all to, to pick them in this one, but I'm going to get the uh, seven and a half did points. Did you see what Michael Penix did yeah. to Michigan State? He might be the best quarterback in the nation, though. Well, Talia Tagovailoa is not bad. All right, Nebraska score. What do you got, Kevin? Nebraska 41. Louisiana Tech 17. All right. Nebraska 24 6. Nebraska 48. Ooh. Louisiana Tech 20. I'll go Nebraska 34, Louisiana ter- Tech 13. That's it for the show. We'll see you next week, guys, on KLIN. Listen to the Friday Hustle.